How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Thursday morning filling in for Big Daddy Graham. We have a lot to get to. Throughout the course of the show tonight, we will get uh, to the Phillies later on as Joe Girardi joined Angelo and the morning team on, what was that at this point, Tuesday morning, I believe. Uh, so we'll get to uh, the skipper and what he had to say a little later on. We'll get to also the San Francisco Giants skipper, I believe. We have another Gabe check-in, right, Mike? Yeah, we do. Another Gabe check-in. Tonight. No music this time, though. No music. Is it still... Is this still fallout from his KNBR hit last week? Fallout. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, is, K- is KNBR uh, double dip? Oh, right. He joined them twice in a matter of what three days? Uh, the 18th and the 20th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That seems rather pointless, but uh, we'll get to Gabe a little later on. Um, we'll get to the Sixers as uh, Tobias Harris does not make the All Star team. Uh, ben Simmons does. We'll get to whether. Uh, you know, that's fair or not for Tobias. Tobias very upset that he didn't make the all-star team. So I'll give you my take on that later on. Um, and a very interesting podcast that I listened to um, on Tuesday morning after I got off the air, uh, Chris Long's Greenlight Pod. Chris Long had tweeted out, if anybody in Philadelphia media uses any of my stuff, just credit the podcast. So, uh, you know, because Chris Long thinks his words get twisted sometimes. He doesn't want to come off as an anti-Carson guy or a pro-Carson guy, I guess. But we will give Chris Long ample credit throughout the course of the show. If that's all he requires, um, we'll, we'll give him that credit. Uh, the Greenlight Podcast. And he was joined by Malcolm Jenkins. And um, they talk pretty candidly about Carson, about the dynamics in the locker room in 2017, 2018. So we'll get to that later on. Also very interesting comments made by Jason Avant, a former Eagle, and was with the Eagles um, during that run in 2018. And Jason Avant uh, had some very interesting things to say in in regards to Carson Wentz and how that year ended um, that I think kind of corroborates... 
my take on, on where things went wrong for Carson in Philadelphia. So we will get to that as well. Plenty of things um, to address. Uh, we will also start our Eagles stay or go series tonight as we'll kind of go through the roster and look at which guys uh, should remain, which guys um, should be out of town. Um, because I, you know, I don't know how frequently I'll be in over the next couple weeks uh, with this baby being expected. So we'll, uh, we'll try to uh, move our way through some of that stuff with the roster uh, over the next few nights as I, uh, as John told you, we'll be filling in for John tomorrow who's filling in for Rhea on Friday morning. Always love the, the double fill-in shifts here. Uh, so uh, plenty of stuff to get to. And we will start with the Eagles and one of the conversations uh, that has been frequent with this team over the last couple weeks. As John brought up, one of the things people have been uh, talking about uh, throughout the day is the idea of tanking, whether the Eagles should go through with a I don't know if you can call it Sixers-like tank. I mean, it wouldn't be a multiple-year thing. But truly commit to 2021 being a down year. Um, and that's been one of the topics of conversation in regards to this team. But the other one, and I think the one that that has a lot of people split right now, because when you look at the tanking 2021, I think many people kind of understand this team's not really competing. And, you know, whether you go full tank, whether you go half tank, I think everybody kind of agrees that winning in 2021, unless you're, you know, a, a buddy guy, you just always, you know, you just want to win all the time and never win. Um, everybody with a, a brain kind of understands that 2021, this team's not really going to be competing. And it's about the future. It's about setting yourself up for long-term success in 2022 and beyond. But the other topic regarding the Philadelphia Eagles, and the one that I think is much more polarizing, and the one that has many more fans split, is the idea of drafting a quarterback at the top of the first round. You know, based on what I've heard so far, this would not be a popular move. Like, uh, people are not very enthused, very excited about the possibility of the Eagles going back to the drawing board right after drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round last season, right after trading the guy you thought was going to be your franchise quarterback in Carson Wentz. People aren't very excited, or at least a group of people aren't very excited about the possibility of the Eagles going right back at it and using a top draft resource on another quarterback in the first round in 2021. And in some ways, I, I get it. I get that over the last few years, it, it has seemed like a constant story at the quarterback position with this organization. Not necessarily a controversy at all times, but a story from... Moving up to get Wentz uh, in 2016 when you already had Sam Bradford, who you had planned on paying $18 million, to all the stuff with Wentz and Foles in 2017 and 2018, to Jalen Hurts in 2020, 
really with the exception of 2019, and even then in the playoffs, when Wentz gets hurt, I mean, it has been a center of focus with this team. So in that way, I somewhat understand it, that you want to go through a year, another offseason, and you don't want to just constantly be discussing the quarterback situation. I, I understand that to a point. But there is a reason that this position is focused on so much. It is truly the most important position in all of sports. It is. I mean, you look at it, what, what, what is even in the mix? I mean, quarterback in the NFL, maybe a goaltender in the NHL. Other than that, you know, there's nothing as far as a specific role that is as important to team success as the quarterback of an NFL franchise. How many times have we seen it now in this town? You know, you look at the Andy Reid era. It's not a coincidence that when Donovan was good, the years Donovan was good, the Eagles were were mostly pretty good. You know, you look at Michael Vick. In 2010, when Michael Vick was great, the Eagles were a very good team. 2011-2012, when Michael Vick was banged up, didn't play very well, you saw the effect on the rest of the team. Nick Foles, great in 2013 playoff team, not very good in 2014, gets hurt, Sanchez comes in, you don't make the postseason. Wentz, in 2019, compared uh, to... 2020. Like, it's obvious that there is a clear correlation. You skipped somebody. Who did I skip? Your boy. Who's my boy? Sleeves. Oh, well, he was never seven, good. 7-7. Seven, seven. Right. Well, he was never good. So, yeah, you know, good, well, no, good but point. When you're mediocre, you're mediocre. Right. Yeah, you're <laughs> mediocre, and yeah, you end up having a 500 record. Good point, Mike. Um, But, uh, you know, it, it's not a coincidence that the team is good when the quarterback is good. And teams are bad when the quarterback plays bad. Like, this is, I think, a pretty obvious thing. And I think it shows that that position is critical to success in this league. And, you know, you look at the 2019-2020 difference. The Eagles were basically a completely different team. And I think that was largely due to quarterback play. I've said it before, you know, we ripped. Howie, we ripped the organization, and they haven't had a good couple years, especially with the drafts, but if the quarterback plays better in 2020, I honestly think the Eagles are a playoff team, and I think we view things completely differently in regards to Howie, in regards to Doug, in regards to this organization, and where they are headed in the future. The Eagles weren't good in 2020 because the quarterback wasn't good in 2020. It's not this huge, you know, organizational disaster that many think it is. There Are there things that need to be fixed? Of course. But the quarterback was the main problem. And I think that's pretty clear um, considering what we've seen since then. But it is obvious that if you don't have a quarterback that you can rely on in the NFL, you do not have a chance. And you know, I like Jalen Hurts. I do. I I liked what I saw from him last year in limited action. I thought he did some nice things. I thought he threw the ball 
better than I expected. I, he was a more polished passer, especially down the field, than I expected him to be. He was able to make more plays with his arm than I thought he would be able to make. Commanded the huddle, showed leadership, the players responded to him, those intangibles, all the things that you want to see from your franchise quarterback. In his first four games, and limit and and I mean, let's let's be honest, extremely small sample size. Jalen Hurts did a lot of things that make you believe that he could potentially be your guy moving forward. There is no doubt uh, about that. Yet at the same time, there is no way that the Eagles can be sold on him. You know, I don't know how they possibly could. After four games, I don't care how well he played. I don't care if he threw 16 touchdowns and no interceptions and the Eagles go to the playoffs. I still don't know how you could be sold on a guy in that small of a sample size. And with this sixth pick, the Eagles absolutely must consider drafting a quarterback. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. And if you want to get in 215-592-9494, 9494 is how you join the show. But they need to. And I kind of I kind of can't believe this is like a, a controversial take or, or a hot take here. You know, I, I I don't think it is. Considering you have the number six pick in the draft, I figured it goes without saying that, yeah, of course you're going to consider drafting a quarterback. It's just a hot take. You don't have one on your roster that you can point to and say, yeah, no doubt that's our guy for the future. And I can't believe it actually needs to be said, but apparently it does. Because I hear so much of this over the last few weeks. They can't draft a quarterback. What a disgrace this is if the Eagles use another pick on a quarterback. They're going to shatter Jalen Hurts' confidence. He's going to go in the tank. First of all, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Jalen Hurts is a little stronger mentally and a little better of a competitor than the previous guy was. But why wouldn't you consider taking a quarterback here? Why would you not want to solidify the most important position in all of sports? Because that's what it is. And, you know, I'm not saying this is what you have to do. I'm not going to force the pick. I'm not going to sit there at six And if the top three, four guys are gone, I'm not going to just draft Trey Lance because he's the best quarterback available. But if you're Howie Roseman and you're the Eagles organization and you are going through your evaluation process here and you study these guys in and out, which of course you will do, many teams will do, because you're going to look at all the top guys and see how they would fit your system. But if the Eagles study this, and the Eagles come to the conclusion that they love Zach Wilson or they love Justin Fields or they love Trey Lance, then you got to not only consider drafting him, you need to consider moving up to get that guy. Because it is vital to not only have one, but to have multiple quarterbacks who can play in this league. And if the Eagles did not seriously investigate drafting a quarterback, then they would not be doing their duty 
as an organization. They just wouldn't. And when you look at where the Eagles are, it is very rare that you get this kind of opportunity. We talked about it a few weeks ago. That uh, What was it, Mike? In 2013, I believe, was the only year that the Eagles drafted this high on merit in like the last 21, 22 seasons since Donovan, right? Uh, Corey Simon. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, 99, Don- Donovan. Well, Corey Simon was 2000. Oh, okay. But that was... Okay. He was like sixth. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. I, I, I Man, I didn't realize the Eagles were, were that high up in, in 2000. Um, well, you know, Doug. Right, right. Doug was the quarterback. Good point. <laughs> um, but you don't know when you're going to have this opportunity again. You don't know when you're going to be even be in range to get those top guys. The Eagles, forget top, top six. I mean, how often are the Eagles picking in the top ten? Like, it is not often at all. And when you are this high, you should always be looking quarterback. You should always be investigating. You should be evaluating every position. No position should be off limits for the Eagles. I would be considering everybody from Justin Fields and Zach Wilson to Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith to Kyle Pitts to uh, the tackle from uh, Oregon Sewell to Patrick Sertan to Micah Parsons. I don't think they're drafting a linebacker, but I would be looking at everybody. I would be looking at every option. And, of course, quarterback is right at the top of that list. And you must consider that possibility. And that's where I want to start the show tonight because I have heard a lot of dissension on this. I I hear a lot of people saying, you cannot, cannot consider drafting a quarterback at number six. To me, that is an asinine viewpoint. It is ridiculous. You must. It's not even a matter of whether you want to draft a quarterback or you want to look at a quarterback. You must consider a quarterback. It is the way the Eagles have to approach this. They have to be looking for a guy they can trust in that spot. And considering a quarterback at number six is something... The Eagles must do. They owe it to their franchise. They owe it to their fan base uh, to look at who can be the future of this organization. Because unfortunately, it's not going to be Carson Wentz. And that stinks. Because as much as, you know, we have bashed Carson and been frustrated with how he's handled things over the last year, everybody thought you had your franchise guy. I thought the Eagles had their franchise guy as recently as five, six months ago. That is not the case anymore. So now you got to look for the next guy. And I am not convinced that that is going to be Jalen Hurts. I would love it to be, but you cannot you cannot rule out a quarterback based on Jalen Hurts alone. He hasn't shown enough. He hasn't done enough. And if the Eagles did that and just ruled out drafting a quarterback in the first round this year, it would be a massive, massive mistake. So Two questions to start the show. Do you want the Eagles to consider a quarterback at number six, or are you content with moving forward with Jalen Hurts? Because you don't know if you'll be this high again. Even if you don't have a great year this year, Jalen Hurts could go 8-8, eight and eight and you could be drafted in the middle of the first round. And maybe you're not in love with Jalen Hurts after this year. And then 
you would have to make a massive trade-up like the Eagles did to go get Carson Wentz, where it took multiple trades and multiple assets to get up to get that guy. You don't want to be in this spot again. This is the easiest way to do it if you love one of these quarterbacks. Do you want the Eagles to consider a quarterback at number 6, or are you content with moving forward with Jalen Hurts? Because I don't think it's just go with Jalen Hurts for a year. If you are not even considering quarterback this year, that is saying that Jalen Hurts is our guy. We are committed to him long-term, and I just don't know how you can feel that way after just a four-game sample size. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Let's get it started on the phones here with Anthony in West Philly. What's up, Anthony? Hey, hey, what's going on? How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Like I was just saying to the producer, you know, it sounded like you just said the Eagles need to waste the first-round pick of the draft. Wait, waste the first round? Where'd you where'd you get that from what I said, Anthony? Well, if you're saying they need to draft a quarterback in this year's draft when they have so much need, wouldn't that be a waste since that guy wouldn't even touch the field? Well, how do you know he wouldn't touch the field? You, you're, you saw that much from Jalen Hurts that you're just willing to, to hand him the starting job? Okay, so you're going to take a rookie quarterback and you're going to take an experienced quarterback and put him on the bench and put the rookie on the field, or you're going to put the rookie on the bench? An experienced quarterback, Anthony. The guys play four games. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Jalen Hurts is like some wily veteran now. It's still a wasted pick. I mean, I say <laughs> what you need to do is fill your your area of needs and wait till next year to fill that quarterback slot if you still need one. But, Anthony, you don't know if you're going to be drafting this high again. You don't know if you'll be in, in range to get one of those top quarterbacks, you know, they're in any of these years coming team. You, you said it. Multiple people agree. They're not going to be a good team this year. Well, what if you like the quarterbacks this year more than the quarterbacks coming out next year? Like, next year, I don't think it's projected to be, like, a great quarterback class. If the Eagles like the quarterbacks this year, why wouldn't you consider taking one? I don't get it. Because this team needs so much help, so much help. Of course, you need help on the offensive line, defensive line. You need help in the running back game, the uh, tight end game, the linebackers, the cornerback. I mean, you name an area where you don't need help. Yeah, you do, but you also need a quarterback, Anthony. I would say that's more important. Uh, and, And I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the call. But... I mean, you need a quarterback. Like, I you like I don't understand. How can you just be sold on Jalen Hurts? And this is coming from somebody who likes Jalen Hurts. I like what I saw. I think he has a chance to be a starting level quarterback in this league who can lead a team. Can he be a top ten guy? Can he be a top fifteen, top twenty? We don't know yet, and that's the point. You need to give yourself every opportunity to be able to get a franchise quarterback. And this is, you know, kind of trying to cash in another ticket in that regard. And when we get back, we'll get to some sound. Um, We'll get some sound from Lewis Riddick, who talks about what he thinks the Eagles might do, and sound from Howie Roseman. Because there is a clip, a famous clip that Howie Roseman, you know, of Howie Roseman talking about the quarterback position that has been mocked for years, and I don't understand the mockery of it. Like, I actually think it makes a lot of sense. And we'll talk about how the Eagles view the quarterback position when we return because it's been viewed as controversial, but I actually think it's 
a pretty logical way to evaluate the most important position of sports. We'll get to that when we return. I see Weave is on the line. Uh, so we'll see what Weave has for us um, on the show this morning. Weave has been uh, taking shots at other callers lately. He's been um, taking shots mainly at Mike in South Philly. Call Mike in South Philly slow the other night. Well, it's just just the one. It's like That's his only right. beef, right? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, Mike seems like a pretty, uh, you know, pretty, you know, doesn't seem to be calling out any other callers. So it's a, kind of an odd guy for Weave to be starting a feud with you know it's like there's been plenty of other callers that have called out weave yeah how none, about, none of them mike and, and i'll have to ask weave if he um has heard isan's weave impression because isan does a pretty damn good <laughs> weave impression um it was pretty good yeah so we will uh we'll talk to weave and we'll get to um the lewis riddick sound the howie rosen sound in regards to the eagles quarterback position and how they view things which you know, it's been mocked and made fun of, and apparently it's controversial, but I actually think it's pretty logical. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, uh, do you believe the Eagles should consider a quarterback at number six or trade up for a quarterback? They absolutely should, no doubt about it. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly. I'm filling in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Find me on Twitter at TommyKelly44. I got to get to the WIP awards a little later on. I'm very disappointed with the voters in the audience for some of these um, some of these results here uh, in regards to, uh, you know, some of the categories that have been ma- announced since uh, I've been on the air last. I mean, I... I'm looking at these, and we'll get to them in more detail a little later on, but, I mean, they're all wrong. All these winners are wrong. Every single one. You know, all three of them from Tuesday were wrong. Uh, from manager, best Flyers player, which, of course, you know, the most overrated Flyers player gets that one. Gee. Uh, we'll get to that a little so later Who on. was it, then? It should have been Gagne, but it was G. Why Gagne? Because Gagne was the better Flyer. Like he was here for a longer period of time. Had what are you talking about? Drew's been here. Drew's in his fourteenth season. Yeah, Gagne. Gagne was here longer than that, right? Not fourteen years. Are you sure? All right. Well, whatever. Gagne had the biggest had a bigger goal than G ever had. I mean, that's not true. Yeah, it is true. No, Gagne true. had a goal no, in no, Game Seven no. against the Bruins to complete an historic comeback. Clark- Mike. Claude Giroux had a game-winning goal in a Stanley Cup final. Nah, in overtime, and, and they didn't even win that. And they didn't even win the cup cup that year. They got they a hell won. of a lot closer on Giroux's goal than they did on Gagne's. Gagne's goal was legendary. That is the that is that wasn't even his most famous goal of the series. Flyers. That was his second most important goal of the series. His first is most to win important game four. game four. Yeah, I know. I bailed on that game early. By the way, I was I, I was uh we were doing one of our broadcasts there. We used to do like little broadcasts at the Flyers game for yeah, playoff that, games. That ticket booth thing. Yeah, yeah. We were broadcasting from a ticket booth. It was <laughs> yeah. very odd setup. Um, but you know, people would come over and try to like inquire with us, like we're will call. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's me and and uh, uh, yeah, I I just it. I'm like, yeah, we're we're a radio show. 
We're not. You you're... can't even say I just work here because you don't even work there. Right. <laughs> what am I house? Um, but well, uh, you're not because you don't work there. Right. But um, I uh, yeah, I bailed after the second period of that game. I'm like, ah, you know, Flyers are probably going to lose even if they win three one series. So I was a bad uh, bad Flyer fan that night. Uh, something I regret. I could have stayed around for the end of that game. Um, but uh, we'll get to that a little later on. And the, the best coach or manager I uh, in draft steal, I mean, Jason Kelsey is was a good steal, but, but he shouldn't have won that one. So I've been very disappointed in the voting so far. So we'll get to that uh, a little later as well. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, uh, should the Eagles consider drafting a quarterback with the sixth overall pick or move up for a quarterback because that's probably what they do. Um, if you really like one of these guys, you're probably not just going to sit and hope they fall to you. You're going to go up and get them. Um, you know, could you go up to number two? Howie and his buddy Joe Douglas do a little deal. Uh, and maybe you get Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. Um, the best, If the Eagles traded up to two to take Trey Lance, that would just be amazing. Um, but would you consider drafting a quarterback high? You have to. It is too important a position to not consider all options. And I don't know how you can be sold on Jalen Hurts based on just four and change uh, games worth of action in his first NFL season. 215-592-9494. Let's get to the weave. What's up, weave? Yo, man. What's going uh, on, weave? Uh, it's everything, man. Um. The last caller, man, he had a good point, man. And, um, you know, um, the wrong move would be to draft a quarterback. Um, at the number six pick, um, I've looked at, um, you know, who they could get. And, um, you know what? You could go with an edge rusher. You could go with a DB. Right, but here's what the weave would do. I would go after a safety. Right, there's safety? three safeties out there. Uh -huh. I listen to Deion Sanders. Uh -huh. There's three safeties out there, right? That are free agents that the Eagles could get, right? And um, I would definitely. Go after um you got um oh my god. You're right that you sound a little subdued you got, tonight, Weaver. You You're you all right. You sound a little bit, you don't have your normal energy now, and pep in your step tonight. That's because I'm going through all my notes, right? Okay. But you got Anthony Harris, you got John Johnson. John Johnson. Hey, that's funny, the third. And you got Justin Simmons, right? Okay. These these Safeties, and I got this from um, D'Angelo Hall, who said that there's not a lot of DBs out there, but there's three good safeties out there. They're free. And they're not. One, they're not in the draft, though. We've you're not drafting free agents here. No, I, I number one, how he's got to make a move. He's got to go after these free agents first. And uh, I think the caller before me was saying that that. There's no way you go after a quarterback because um, I would definitely work with this guy you got because he has a little bit more experience than, you know, what you were saying of drafting a quarterback out of the draft. 
who is only going to sit on the bench anyway. Well, how do we and, know that, Weave? I mean, you you let whoever you draft compete with Jalen Hurts. It's not like and if regardless who wins the competition, whether Jalen Hurts wins it or the rookie wins it, the other guy's still here. It's not like that guy needs to go. Like, why why, why is it a bad thing to have two reliable quarterbacks? And this is why because I listened to what the new Eagles coach says and he wants to implement his own system which that's where uh Tom I think you need to go because if he's bringing in a whole new system I if I was the head coach I wouldn't do that I would kind of you know kind of you know freelance on the old system that they had where Jalen Hurts would be comfortable, you know. And and you know what? You got a bunch of good young wide receivers, right? Yeah. That's that's really. one reason I I might not draft a wide receiver. But looking to the defense, and right now I'm looking at the game, uh, Tampa Bay and uh, Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers is just unbelievable. But yeah. that Tampa Bay defense, man. Yeah, they they were they were great. And I appreciate Tampa uh, Bay defense, yeah. man. We I, got to get back to you know who we are, man. I buddy love ball, you, man. that's right. But, yeah, no, um, this you know it, it's getting out of hand. The Eagles need to get back to defense, and and and, and I, I can't believe they don't have you know they didn't bring in. Um, you know, our Hall of Famer to kind of help out with the defense. You know what I mean? I know. Nah, I, I got you, Weave. I appreciate the call. I don't, we was it just me, Mike, or was Weave a little subdued tonight? Like he was—he usually comes on. Yo, he's got a lot of energy, and I didn't. I wasn't getting the normal energy from Weave on this call. Do you think he was upset that I brought up his brewing feud with Mike in South Philly? Yeah, maybe it altered the vibes. Yeah. I, I the vibes think, were off. Yeah, the vibes were definitely off. But I like I don't understand why. Just because you don't draft a defensive player at the top of the doesn't mean like you can't address the defense in any way. Like you can do multiple things. What, like what is the negative to having quarterbacks who can play on your roster? Like I, I really I don't understand this. Um and it's something that, that that drives me nuts. But yeah, if you see a quarterback that you really like, of course you're going to seriously consider him. I'm not saying you need to draft a quarterback. I'm not saying you force a pick at any position. But you need to keep your options open here. You must be looking at every scenario and think about what is best for your team long term. Because what, I mean, for people who are so ready to commit to Jalen Hurts, guys play four games. And I like him. I, I like the kid. I like the player. I think he's going to be pretty good. But what if he's not? Like, what if we go through this year and Jalen Hurts is clearly just not a starting quarterback in the NFL? And a guy that can play, maybe a backup, but just, you know, the more defenses see of him, the more they are able to adapt, and he's just not that kind of a player. So then you, you're just... Back next year, looking at a quarterback, maybe without a pick this high, maybe in a class that's not as good as this one. 
It doesn't make sense. You absolutely must consider a quarterback uh, because it's the most important position. You need to make sure you're strong there. Uh, let's go to Ben in Penn Valley. What's up, Ben? Yo, Tom. How you doing tonight? How's it going? Uh, not too shabby. Weave needs to lay off the sauce a little bit before he calls up. He was definitely a little bit subdued this evening. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was a sauce issue. I just think I think Weave was very seriously into his notes tonight. Maybe that was. It. I hear that he was deep in the notes. Uh, I just think it seems a little crazy to draft a QB at six, unless I got like Fields falls to six. I really don't see a reason to trade up because look, let me give you two groups of QBs real quick. You can have uh, Jared Goff, Jamarcus Russell, and. Uh, I don't know. Well, let's go with uh, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Or you could have Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson. What are the difference between those two groups of guys? One group was drafted high. The other group was drafted lower. Um, but yep. I don't think that that's necessarily all. That that oh, I know that's not always the case, though, Ben. I mean, sure. the odds are you're going to get a better player higher. Absolutely. But I'm just saying, so you can find value at quarterback outside of the top five, mm-hmm. right? We can establish that. So moving on, there are blue chip guys in this draft and in every draft in the top five that can address positions of need that we have because we haven't drafted a pro ball player other than Carson Wentz since Lane Johnson. I mean, th- this team just has so many needs that I think drafting a quarterback this year would just be silly. I just I don't really see the reason to go all in on QB right now because they're not going to be good next year. They're not going to start a quarterback next year that, that they're drafting in the top five. And I don't know. you got to build out from the trenches. That's how we won in 2017 is we had a bunch of really strong O-linemen, D-linemen, and we're really kind of old or lacking in those positions right now. And, and I just feel like we have so much need, you can't just go all in for a quarterback right now. Well, I, I get your point, Ben. Um, but, you know, say you're the Eagles, and they do their player evaluations, and they decide – that, you know, a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields is, in their mind, you know, by far the next best player to Trevor Lawrence in this draft. I mean, why wouldn't you strongly consider that, um, you know, say, it, it, instead of drafting a player at a position of need? I mean, look, I'm not inclined to trust the Eagles player evaluation on pretty much anything at this point. Uh-huh. I mean, look how many misses we've got in the last five drafts. I mean, come on, Danelle Pumphrey was on this team. Yeah, no, I, I got you, Ben, and I hear you, and I I, I appreciate the call. Um, I just I don't think we can continue looking at it that way. Like, the Eagles have certainly missed on picks. There's no doubt about that. I'm not going to, you know, deny that or, or dispute that. I mean, they, they, they have. Um, but I don't look at that as a reason to not look at an extremely critical position. And... I'm going to prioritize that position over all others. And if it's close, I'm leaning quarterback. Um, because you got you got to maximize your chances to find that guy. You need to maximize your chances to find that player who can lead your team and, and be um, your guy at that position for, for the next decade. And I'm not ready to commit to Jalen Hurts after just four games. Let's get Sean and Sharon Hill in here. What's up, Sean? Hello. Yo, what's up, Sean? Hey, how's it going, Sean? What's going on? Yeah, uh, I'm hearing about you saying that uh, you didn't, you don't really want Jalen Hurts in there. What's going on with that, man? <laughs> it's not that I don't want Jalen. I like Jalen Hurts, 
but I I mean he played he's played four games, Sean. Like I don't I'm not ready to say this is our franchise guy. Like we're all behind Jalen Hurts. He's played four games in the NFL. I, I understand that. I understand that. But okay, you put a you put a new guy in that situation. What do you expect him to do behind what line? Yeah, I mean, Sean, I I mean I am of the opinion that the line was not nearly as bad as people made it out to be last year. Uh, it wasn't good, but you could see when Hertz came in and Wentz went out, the sack numbers went down, all of that stuff went down, and you know, I I think Carson Wentz was responsible for a lot of the issues that the offensive line had. Oh, uh, come on, Tom, come on, Sean. I mean, it, it, there was a study done on it by Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly Voice that Wentz was was responsible for more than a third of those sacks. I get that. I get that. But you're telling me we haven't learned nothing from this Super Bowl that just passed. It doesn't matter what quarterback you have back there. If we don't have the right line, you're done. That's what it is. Right, but I think the Eagles will have I think the Eagles will have a good line next year. So with Howie Pickett, yeah, okay. Well then no, just just getting guys back from injury. I mean, you look if if they get Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks back, you have Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks. Jason Kelsey, Isaac Sayamalu, and Jordan Mulata, I think that's a pretty good offensive that's line. That's a big, big if. That's a big if, Tom. Right. But, you know, it doesn't mean you can't draft offensive linemen with the rest of your picks. The Eagles have a ton of picks this year. I mean, actually, there's two. Who's going to be our tight end? Who, who's this new guy going to throw the, who's, who's throwing his ball to with the tight end? Dallas Goddard. Who, what, what do you want? The, are you, do you want them to draft Kyle Pitts? Uh, no, yeah. Okay. Okay. Kyle, well, Kyle, Kyle Pitts the tight end, Sean. I thought you were a tight end guy. My thing is, you bring a new guy in here with no line and really no top pro bowler receivers, how do you expect him to develop? You're going, and as Philadelphia, we know we're not good at developing stars here. Let's be real. We got the number one draft pick and make him look like the fifth draft pick here. Well, I got you, Sean. I, I, I appreciate the call. I, I mean, I, I don't even I don't know what that means. Like, what, uh, well, McNabb. Vic and Wentz all got MVP votes, and Nick Foles was a Super Bowl MVP. Right, like all were developed into that here. You know what it is, and, and this is what it is: people are gun shy after the Carson Wentz thing. That's exactly what it is. And now, you know, people look at what happened to Wentz, and they don't want that to happen again. And you're afraid of embracing the idea of of, of drafting another quarterback. But that's what. The Eagles need to consider. I mean, it is an imp- incredibly important position. I, for one, and I like Jalen Hurts. Didn't he say that? You are crazy if you just are ready to say Jalen Hurts is the guy. We don't have a need at quarterback. Yeah, of course the Eagles have a need at quarterback. They have needs at a lot of areas. I agree with that. I'm not disagreeing with any of that. But quarterback is the biggest need. Quarterback is the biggest need for every single team in the NFL. And you need to have one, or in you know many cases, more than one, that you can rely on. And it's why the Eagles must strongly, strongly consider making this move. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Vinny, John, see both you guys. We'll get you both when we get back. Uh, but will should the Eagles consider drafting a quarterback at the top of the first round? Answer is absolutely yes. Um, I, I can't believe this is such a controversial opinion um but it is it's the most important position you got to make sure you're good take there you go 215-592-9494 i'm tom kelly in for big daddy graham sports radio 94 wip
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy, Daddy Graham. Uh, don't really have a social media gripe today, unfortunately. Just well, uh, just one out there. This isn't really a social media gripe. Just um, like, I, you know, I just monitor Twitter during Flyers uh, action. Good win for the for, for the uh, for the boys on uh, uh, Wednesday night, beating the beating the Rangers. So uh, that's a good win for the Flyers. Um, but just a hockey guy lingo uh, on social media, like when people refer to the Wells Fargo Center as the barn. Like that, that, I don't know. That kind of bothers me a little bit. I, it's not really a social media gripe, just kind of a a hockey guy gripe. But you know, all that hockey guy lingo, I, I, I don't really like that. Any takes on that, Mike? It's kind of a very forced gripe, but I've never heard that before. Yeah, hockey hockey guys that refer to the 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 center as the, as the barn. Um, I'll, I'll talk about it with you during the break, maybe a little bit. Uh, okay. You know, to, to, I guess a mutual uh, person we have in common does that frequently. Okay. So, uh, you know, we'll enough said. Discuss it. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Talking about the Eagles, whether they should um consider a quarterback at the top of the first round. Now, I meant to get to this earlier. We'll get to it in the next segment. Um, Lewis Riddick on the Eagles situation. Lewis Riddick, obviously, some knowledge of of the Eagles, uh, how they view uh, things within their organization, the quarterbacks. And also, the, the comment that Howie Rosen made that has been, you know, mocked at length, which I don't really understand because I don't think it's really a bad way to view it. So we'll get to that in the next segment. 215-592-9494. Go to Vinny in Levittown. What's up, Vinny? Hey, how you doing, Tom? How's it going? Uh, it's going. Uh, by the way, I'm a Flyers guy, and I have never heard it called the barn. Really? Uh, hockey people yeah. call like, the, the, home, the home ice the barn. I'm telling I've you. always called it the center, if anything. Okay. So, right. I, But, yeah. Anyway, back to the Eagles. Um, I'm kind of on the same uh, wavelength you are with uh, Jalen Hurts. And seeing that, yeah, he had some flashes. Yeah, he's got some uh, things he's got to work on. So why not try to get a quarterback? So my uh, question, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going off the board. And I don't necessarily want Justin Fields because he, he's kind of similar to play as Jalen Hurts. But how do you feel like uh, like Zach Wilson? Because I, I feel like he could be like a Josh. He gives me Josh Allen vibes, to be honest. Well, Zach Wilson is a guy who who it seems like the opinions are all over the board on him, Vinny. Like I've heard some people say, you know, guy's overrated, played at BYU, played against subpar competition, he's not going to be an NFL quarterback. But then I've heard other people saying, you know, this guy with his mobility, the way he throws some of his arm angles, that he's reminiscent of Patrick Mahomes. So you get a lot of that uh, with these quarterbacks where the the opinions are all over the board and I think that's kind of uh the case with Zach Wilson um where you know you can ask 10 different people about him and you'll get 10 different answers as to what he's going to be right and that's kind of where I was thinking is like the Josh Allen vibes I'm saying is he fell to what seven so some people were yes. up and down on him and then he turned out to be a stud so that's why I kind of I'm, I'm I'm high hoping that that's who we get but if all those three quarterbacks are taken off the board and we had six, would you be willing to drop back 
and take Trey Lance because I've been seeing articles saying that the Eagles are hot on that kid. <laughs> uh, I consider uh, Vinny. How great would that be, just from a story standpoint, though? For them to draft and, another and, North Dakota State kid would just be incredible. And they'd be salvaging the pick, so they they would feel like they're getting something out of it, and uh, just a full circle. Right. Yeah. No. I I think it's possible. And Vinny, I'll say this: I I think the uh, we, the odds of them actually drafting a quarterback at six, I think, are are actually pretty slim. Like I think the the chances are better that they either trade up for Fields or Wilson and take them, you know, in the top five, or they trade down and maybe take a, a Trey Lance or a, a Kyle Trask who has connections to the new quarterbacks coach uh, a little later on. So I don't think they'll actually take one at six. It's just a matter of, you know, if they do take one, trading up for one of the top guys or trading down for, for one of those second-tier guys. Right. And yeah. what would you more – be uh, like uh, I guess satisfied with trading up because I, I don't necessarily feel like going through all that again. Yeah, I mean it's yeah no I I get it and I know that's that's what a lot of people are afraid of. I, I gotta you know I haven't looked at it at these guys closely uh, enough yet. Um, but from an Eagles perspective, if I'm if I'm them and I think Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, if I'm convinced they're going to be uh, a franchise quarterback, then I would go up and get them. Okay. Yeah. So, appreciate right it, man. Thank you for the yeah, call. Uh, take it easy. And, yeah, I I mean, that's what it comes down to. Like, it, it doesn't really matter what, what what I think about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll admit I'm not a quarterback guru. I think I, you know, know what I'm looking at. I think I kind of nailed the Carson Wentz thing this year when early on Mike and I were, were on the forefront of saying, you know, this guy's just not very good. He's not going to get better. And we're, we're ahead of the curve on that. He – wasn't executing. Right. We were saying this after the Rams game that, like, these are very concerning things. Oh, it's Carson. We'll get it together. It's like, well, no. I mean, he's playing but really look poorly right Look at now. who's throwing to. Right. Well, he's, well, he's running for his life. <laughs> right. Well, he's still throwing to the guy in the blue jersey instead of the. Right. Well, white jersey. The Eagles were in the game. But I, I get what you're saying. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, with it, it, like, you know, it. it I, I haven't. I'm not a guru. Like I haven't studied Zach Wilson's tape. I've been grinding BYU tape or grinding Justin Fields tape. Like I've watched Justin Fields play a decent amount because Ohio State's on TV a lot. And you know, I've seen good Justin Fields games. I've seen bad Justin Fields games. I mean, he played great against Clemson. I watched him play earlier in the year against Indiana. He was terrible. So I mean, I don't. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, but if the Eagles are sold on one of these guys, then yeah, I do think they should absolutely go get them. Like you shouldn't uh, rule that out just because you don't. You're you're afraid to draft a quarterback. You can't be afraid. And if if you believe in one of these players, you got to take that chance. Let's go to John Nowentown. What's up, John? Hey, TK. I'm going to make this quick because I got to park my truck. Oh, okay. Uh, listen, ask me the question again about the draft. Would you consider drafting a quarterback at the top of the draft? Yes. <laughs> okay. Because I'm not because I'm not an idiot. Of course you have to consider. I mean, if if one of those top 3 quarterbacks drops to 6, even if they drop to 5 or 4, I would consider moving up if I don't have to if if I don't have to give up too many more picks to move up. But of course you have to consider it. I mean, I like Jalen Hurts, but is he a very good passer? I don't think so, not yet. Could he become one because he's a hard worker? Sure. I mean, Wilson wasn't a great passer when he came out of college. 
he turned himself into a really good passer. I mean, he's a he's a natural runner. Um, and, but he's not a great passer, and and most of his reads were one read and then take off. So, yeah, you got to see a lot more than four games. And so, of course, I would consider drafting a quarterback with the sixth pick. Yeah, and I think John, I think a lot of it just stems from from people's fear. I I think first of all, people just will kind of want to be done with the constant cycling through of quarterbacks, but it, it's an important position. And, and I just, I can't, I, I can't say that I would be comfortable with Jalen hurts and no real insurance policy long-term. I'd rather take Absolutely. as many chances as I can to get that guy. And it's, and it's the hardest position to pick. In yeah. All sport. Absolutely. I mean, if you're, if you're up there at six, I mean, you're like you said, the Eagles are not, that high very often on merit. I mean, they would have to implode next year to be up that high. I mean, it's, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, right? but <laughs> I expect them to be a little bit better next year, actually. So I, it's, I don't expect them to be picking a six, but if one of those top three drop to you at four or five or six. I mean, you have to consider Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, John, I'll let All you right, go TK. to park that truck. Uh, you know, hopefully that that's not too hard to do. I, I can't even imagine parking a big truck. I'd probably uh, have tr- have a lot of trouble with that. Um, but it's an inexact science, as John said. I mean, just think of a couple years ago, 2017 draft. Mitch Trubisky went number two. Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes went after him. Like, it is a very hard position to evaluate and predict. And if you have an, enough opportunities, you got to take shots. You got to take multiple chances. And uh, Jack, Rick, see you guys there. You'll be after the break. Um, we'll get you both in after the break. But I'll also play some sound from Lewis Riddick and Howie Roseman on how the Eagles look at the quarterback position because, um, you know, especially Howie made a comment that, that has been mocked but I don't think it's a bad way to look at quarterbacks. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Back with you tomorrow as well, filling in for John Johnson, who's filling in for Rhea, for Rhea Hughes tomorrow. So I'll be filling in for John, who's filling in for Big Daddy, and John will be filling in for Rhea. So we got like a quadruple fill-in situation on Friday. So uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow as well. Um, but plenty of things we'll get to throughout the rest of the show here. We got to get... Um, to the Phillies, Joe Girardi's conversation, and also Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins um, on the Greenlight podcast. Some very interesting things in regards to Carson Wentz um, and his future and his past. So we'll get to that. Uh, and a, a ton of other stuff that I want to touch on as well as, as, uh, as, well as the WIP awards. Um, but uh, the main topic we're discussing to start the show tonight, should the Eagles consider a quarterback at the top of the draft? And I can't believe there's so much resistance to this. I really, I really can't. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to me. Um, we saw Jalen Hurts for four games, and granted, he did some very nice things. I was impressed, and this is somebody who I didn't think Jalen Hurts was a great 
prospect coming out of Oklahoma. I didn't. I thought he was a college quarterback. Thought in those kind of systems that he played in, it was going to make him look a lot better than, you know, he'd look in the NFL. But um, I was impressed. I thought he did some nice things. I thought he threw the ball down the field better than I expected. And I really think that year he spent at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley made him a better quarterback. Like, at Alabama, he's a good football player. Wasn't a great quarterback. At Oklahoma, you know, he really developed. And I think you saw the fruits of that last year. And I think he's a hardworking kid, and I think he's going to get better. But I am not willing to just buy into the fact that this is the Eagles guy off of four games. And I think it would be pretty crazy to do so. And before we get back to the phones here, I want to play some sound. Um, first from Lewis Riddick, ESPN, um, Monday Night Football. Um, and this was after the Eagles made the Carson Wentz trade. First here is Lewis Riddick on whether the Eagles will add another quarterback to the mix to pair with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think without a doubt they will introduce some competition to that quarterback room no question about it. Number one, because they don't have anyone else under contract. Really, that's you know that's of the caliber that could really threaten Jalen Hurts at this point in time. I don't think there's any question that you have to look to see what Philadelphia ultimately decides to do, both in the veteran free agency market and when the draft rolls around. Yeah, and you definitely need to consider somebody, whether it is a, a draft pick or a a veteran free agent. I actually have three veteran free agent options that I want to discuss a little later on. Um, but the Eagles are going to draft a quarterback at some point during this draft. Like if it's not in the first round, it might be later on, but there's no doubt in my mind, they're going to draft somebody to develop. And that's not a bad idea, but here's more from Lewis Riddick on whether he thinks the Eagles will consider a quarterback with that six pick. At the sixth position in the draft, they're poised to both sit still and pick whichever quarterback falls to them or see if they have you know, the potential to move up and grab somebody who they really think can be a, a difference maker for them. Because, look, Jalen Hurts has thrown, what, 148, 150 career passes in his rookie year. And I don't think anything would tell you that they should just go ahead and put all their eggs in that basket. And knowing Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman like I do, look, this is an organization that, under their direction, really does value quarterback play and values having as many quarterback assets, you know, under their roof as possible because they need to make sure that they have the right guy to lead them going forward. Yeah. And you know, we know that the Eagles value that position extremely highly. And you know, this next one, and this is, you know, Howie Roseman and he has taken so much heat for this comment over the last well, I mean, when did he say this originally? Was it uh, was this after the 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 nineteen draft? Was this after they drafted Thorson? I don't know exactly when how he made the comment. Um, but uh, this next comment, you know, how he made, and it's been a a, a point of mockery ever since. But here is how he rose on what the Eagles uh, want to be in regards to quarterbacks. For better or worse, we are quarterback developers. We want to be a quarterback factor. We have the right people in place to do that. Now, no team in the National Football League has benefited more but from developing quarterbacks than the Philadelphia Eagles. And- well, actually, yeah, Mike pointed out to me uh, that that was after Jalen Hurts' pick. And it makes sense. And, you know, Howie took a lot of heat for that. But I understand 
the logic. Like, I understand the thinking. And people just hear a quarterback, oh, yeah, quarterback factory, something, you know, quippy you can mock him over. But it makes sense. Like, it makes sense in regards to the thinking. Here's more from Howie on always making sure that quarterback room is taken care of. You know, when I came back in 2016 and we sat down with Coach Peterson, it was that we were going to make sure that that position was strong. And I remember that when we re-signed Sam and then signed Chase to a big backup quarterback deal and and then spent all those picks for Carson, you know, it was kind of unusual. And um, we just said, we are going to make sure that that position is really strong. And I don't know why that is so, you know, controversial to have multiple quarterbacks who can play when... Uh, as we have seen in this city, we've seen it more than any other city in the NFL. I mean, 2000, 2018, 2017, you need a second quarterback and step in and play. 2013, Nick Foles again steps in for Mike Vick that year. Garcia, I mean, A.J. Feely, you go all the way back 20 years, we've legitimately seen multiple Eagle seasons saved by having Good quarterbacks throughout the roster, and not just one. Here's more from Howie on it being, you know, such an important position. We just feel like this is the most important position in sports, and we think this player has something to him. And I think that, you know, you've seen that there are opportunities there where this, the quarterbacks, they're the most valued position, too. It is. It's the most important position in all sports, and it's why it makes sense to have multiple guys that can play. Like, it's why I don't understand the line of thinking where even if you like Jalen Hurts, and I do like Jalen Hurts, and I don't think drafting a quarterback here necessarily means Jalen Hurts can't be the guy. I don't think, you don't owe whoever you draft, whether it be a Zach Wilson, whether it be a uh, Justin Fields, you don't necessarily owe them the starting job. They're lottery tickets. And you're just pretty much buying another lottery ticket. And you're increasing your chances. And you say in training camp, okay, we got two guys on rookie contracts. Not prohibitive. Even if you draft a quarterback in the first round, the way it's slotted money-wise, you're not going to be paying this guy an absorbent amount of money where he's got to play. Like, if you brought Wentz back and Wentz and Hurts had a quarterback uh, competition, you would be incentivized to play Carson Wentz because of the money you're paying him. It's not that situation with a rookie quarterback. Jalen Hurts and his contract, and whatever guy you get in the first round in his contract, they wouldn't be all that dissimilar. So you would say, okay, Nick Sirianni comes in, he preaches competition, that's what he said um, during his introductory press conference, it's what they said, uh, what's what he said to Angelo in his interview with him. Is we want competition, so you draft a quarterback if that's the route you elect to go. Not saying you have to go that route, but um, you have to consider it. You pit that guy against Jalen Hurts in camp, and you say, "All right, open competition. You guys go out. The better player will play. Whoever's better over these next six weeks will play." And I don't know why that is a negative. This doesn't mean you're showing a lack of faith in Jalen Hurts. It doesn't mean you don't think Jalen Hurts is any good. It just is buying another lottery ticket and trying to find the most important player on your roster on the, in the most important position in all sports. And I don't get 
what the opposition is to increasing your chances of finding that guy rather than limiting your options and pushing all your chips in on Jalen Hurts when you don't have to. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, let's go to Jack and Ridley. What's up, Jack? Yeah, I, I can't understand the fascination in the National Football League with the quarterback position. Uh, I understand that it's an important – okay, let, let me finish. Yeah. I understand it's an important position. Um but I can name maybe 12 to 15 quarterbacks that were not taken high in a draft, some of them not even drafted, who have ended up winning Super Bowls and being in the Hall of Fame. Who? So to me, it's just like any other position. You have to be able to play the position and then learn while you're playing it until you get to the point where you can read defenses and you can throw accurate passes. You don't have to throw the ball 70, 80 yards. You just have to make sure that you're running the ball to help the passing game and also to make sure that you have a knowledge of the scheme that you're running. I mean, some of the greatest talents at quarterback in the history of the league, uh, like uh, Randall Cunningham, for instance, he couldn't read defenses. He had all the talent in the world, but he could not read defenses. And because of that, he never went to a Super Bowl. Um, but I, I digress. There, there's a young man out there, and I don't know his name, and I, and I feel a little uh, unarmed at that. But uh, this kid number six from Alabama. Devontae Smith, the receiver. Oh, my God. If if I'm a general manager and I let him go without a dra- drafting him, uh, you you mark my words. I've been, and I'm 73 years old, so I've, I've coached football, I've played football, I've been around athletics most of my life. Um, this kid has something that you cannot, you cannot teach. He, he, he probably runs about a 4-2, heavy 40. He's got tremendous hands. Uh, what they used to say about Jimmy Brown, he's the best football player on the field. Mm-hmm. This kid would be the best football player on the field. He could do for you in offense like a defensive cornerback does in defense when they put him on their top receiver, take him away. That enables you on offense to do all kinds of other stuff. That's when your tight end becomes – uh, important. That's when you're running back and run the game. Because I can tell you right now, they're going to have to double him almost all the time. But Jack, you also because need. They, but Jack, you also need a quarterback to get him the ball. Yeah, and I understand that. And you know what? If I'm drafting six, uh, and there's somebody there, but you know what? You can also get a quarterback. <laughs> and Miami did it a couple of years ago. You remember when Fitzpatrick came in and almost put him in the playoffs? Yeah, but Brian um, Fitzpatrick is not a long-term answer. Like that's no, the I didn't point. Say he was right, but you, but you, but what you've got to do is you've got to take at six, and I and I'm preaching Vince Lombardi right now because that's what I grew up with. When you pick at six, you've got to take the best football player in that draft. 
And that's what you have to do. And and you can him in Hall. If, if, hey, if the quarterback's there and he's the best guy left, right. then take him. But, you know, if there's a tight end there and he's the best guy there, maybe you should take him. It also depends on a lot about your about your needs. I mean, this kid from Oregon, the, the tackle, I think he's a sure, a sure thing. Yeah, no. Uh, I I would like him, Jack, and and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. I mean, I'd be okay going that route. Not not, not saying you have to draft a quarterback, but you know, it does. The odds are, and I know there have been quarterbacks who have been drafted later, who have been good players. Like we all know the story, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is such a rarity that Tom Brady's a freak of nature. Like that, you're not. The, the odds of that are not great as far as, as as finding that kind of guy. Your odds of finding a, a quarterback are better in the first round than they are, uh, you know, later in the draft. It just is. And, you know, if the Eagles don't like any of these quarterbacks, fine, don't take one. Like, I'm not saying you have to. But uh, to just write it off and not consider it is crazy. And, yeah, I mean, there are other ways, I other areas I'd look at the receivers interest me. I mean, I I like Devontae Smith a lot, um, but I don't know even that I'd take him over Jamar Chase. Like, I really like Jamar Chase, and he didn't – He's I feel like he's kind of being forgotten about a little bit because he opted out didn't play this year, but he's a hell of a player. Um, you know, the tackle from Oregon, if he somehow falls to at six, certainly that's uh, an area uh, you got to look at is he could be your potential replacement for Lane Johnson. Um you know, the the Patrick Sertan is another option. Like, there are a lot of guys out there that you can look at. Um, but if it's close between a receiver and a quarterback or a lineman and a quarterback or Kyle Pitts, the tight end, and a quarterback, I'm taking the quarterback uh, more often than not because it's a more premium position. Let's go to Rick in West Philly. What's up, Rick? Yeah, man. I'm Jeremy. Yep, gotcha. All right. Yeah, my thing is, of course, yeah, with the quarterback situation, I think, yeah, you, you do need to get one, but I think you can wait down the line, like, in the draft, like, maybe late third round and get one. I don't think we should be scared to let Hurts, like, you know what I mean? I think he checked off a lot of boxes. He he showed he can throw from the pocket. You know what I mean? He's a good decision maker. Yeah, I mean, he, he threw for over 300 yards back-to-back games in Arizona and, and the Cowboys, even though we lost. I mean, I blame that on a lot of old coaching, but I think we moved forward with Hurts. I don't, I don't think, you know what I mean, it'd be a problem. You know what I mean? I think he checked off a lot of boxes. Right, but why can't you Why can't you to maximize your chances of, of getting a, a, a franchise quarterback, why can't you draft a guy and have him and Hurts compete? I mean, yeah, you can. But he. I don't think you should have to draft one that early because who are you throwing to? My thing is, I mean, like, we, we can't really – we got unproven receivers. I mean, Rager, Fogum, and Ward, they all solid. But I just think if you go get that number one type receiver, you know what I mean, and build the team up, I think that's better. And, and maybe go get a, a quarterback, you know, late third round, maybe the quarterback from Florida. He was good. I forgot his name. You know what I mean? But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't trash. think you should use that six pick on a quarterback. They say you draft one and Hurts is better than him and he beat him out and then you just wasted the pick. He's going to sit for the year. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean? Th- yeah, that that that's, you know um, – the the kind of thing you're looking at, but I, I don't know, Rick. I look at it. I don't. 
don't think having two good quarterbacks is a bad thing. Like, I, I want to have two guys that I rely on and or that I can rely on. And, um, you know, I don't think that would be a, a horrible uh, position to be in. But I, I would certainly consider one of those. It's kind spots. of a waste, yeah. though. I mean, because if you got two good quarterbacks, you don't really got one. You, you're, not, you ba- you're basically saying you wasted the pick last year on getting hurt in the second round. That's a high draft pick right there. We picked him high. So I mean, I mean, I, and I think Hurst can he can I think he checked off a lot of boxes. Like I said, I mean, yeah, he can pass, he make good decisions, he can run from the pocket. You know what I mean? So I just don't see it as as as, as, as an option to like pick a quarterback at six. Yeah, no, I hear you, Rick, and I appreciate the call. I mean, I, part of why I'm I'm in on this this year is again like you're you're not competing in 2021, or you're not focused on competing in 2021. Like what 2021 is about more than anything to me is Nick Sirianni establishing his culture. Like, you establish what you want this organization and this football team to be. From a schematic standpoint, from a personality standpoint, from a culture standpoint. And, you know, in Nick Sirianni's mind, he sees that as as competition all over the place. It's about that. And it's about finding your answer at quarterback, whether that be Jalen Hurts, whether that be a rookie, whatever route you end up going. That is the key thing that you must figure out this year. And I'm just not ready to just hand the keys to Jalen Hurts. And I I don't agree that taking a quarterback high is a condemnation of Jalen Hurts. I don't. I think it's just trying to maximize your opportunities. And like how he said, they are always going to prioritize that position. They are always going to look uh, to be strong in the quarterback room. And and I don't think that is a, a bad route to go. It doesn't mean you have to go that route. Um, if you have other players on your board that are clearly in your mind better, but to just rule it out um, out of hand just because you don't want to draft another quarterback, I, I think would be kind of silly. Let's go to Ray in Moorestown. What's up, Ray? TK, how you doing tonight? What's going on, Ray? Listen, Tom, the Eagles have a lot of pens. They have to make up for a lot of things now. You know, and it's an issue of uh, you, you look at even these, these quarterbacks. You brought Chase Daniels earlier. I remember Chase Daniels and that contract that they gave him was out of this earth. You know, and I, I just don't understand – uh, why you feel like Howie, given the history, is going to continue to make anything other than the blunders that he's made. You know, you, you overpaid a backup quarterback. I think it, he was the highest-paid quarterback, uh, backup quarterback, uh, when they signed Chase Daniel, who was like, what, 5'9", or something like that? I mean, he... he and what's he doing yeah, now? Yeah, but Ray, but Ray, I mean, the next the next year, the backup quarterback they signed won them a Super Bowl. So I don't think that argument well, really but, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but but he was your starting quarterback at one point, so you had some familiarity. Chase Daniels never been anything. Yeah, but but um, the point, but but Ray, the point remains the same: is you prioritize the backup quarterback and it saved that season. Yeah, you you do, but I'm not saying that you go. So you're automatically saying, well, we've seen. Uh, Jalen Hurts for four year, uh, four games. Let, let's uh, get somebody else. I'll, I'll take the other side of that. You've seen him for four games. How do you know he can't play? No, I don't. See? What did you see in Carson Wentz the first four games that he played in the NFL? I mean, he, he had a horrible season that first season. 
And well, I mean, he's been injury prone ever since, and he was injury prone at North Dakota State. They knew that. They have made mistakes at this position. I don't I, listen. Everything should be on the table. This team is that bad. Everything has to be on the table. Of course, you consider it. If somebody falls into your lap at six, you, you, you probably you, you pull the trigger on a quarterback, and then possibly uh, maybe you make a trade later on for a veteran. I mean, whatever you want to do, just use it as leverage, whatever. But I, I don't think you trade up. I think you need every pick you can get. I think we need to try to get some picks somewhere along the way. This team is just that bad. We need help on all facets of this football team. And that that's because of Howie Roseman and Jeff Laurie thinking, once again, I'm going to go back to the contract. Now, I'm on record. I called the station two years ago and t- said, listen, please let Carson play out his contract. Let's see what he has left see what kind of player he is, and if he's great, if he comes back to the guy that we knew, just roll up the truck for him. I don't have any problem with that. But what they did, they were trying to play it on the cheap. They thought because of the whole Dak Prescott thing and the Jared Goff and all that kind of stuff, they thought they were going to have to pay more for him, and they thought they were going to get him on the cheap. Once again, they were playing it cheap and made a huge blunder. This thing has blown up in their face. This is damage control by Howie Roseman and Jeff Laurie because they just, they're trying to save face. They don't want to admit the fact that they went and threw all their eggs in the Carson Wentz basket and they all fell down and broke. Well, they already did admit the mistake. They just traded him. That, that's a pretty big admission of a mistake. You traded How- him because the guy did, told you he didn't want to be here. You, he, they knew that he was going to probably be, probably be even more of a problem in the locker room, than, and I'm sure it'll come out soon enough uh, what exactly was going on in the locker room. Uh, with him, we've had a lot of allegations over the last right. couple well, of seasons. What if they? What if they not admitted, Ray? Like, what if they not well, admitted? You, you, you know, what what they haven't admitted was the fact that yes, we went ahead and paid this guy too soon, spent all this money, and put them put themselves in cap hell because of uh, a bad mistake. Ultimately, the truth was that they were just trying to save money long term because they thought they were going to. And the funny thing is. It never came to fruition. Dak Prescott is still being franchised. I mean, he'll be franchised yeah. till he he probably asks out of there himself. And that so and that, 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 that whole situation never came to pass. Right, that's and not they a good sign. Carson probably because of that reason. We, so they wanted to get him on the cheap. Yeah, and cheaper. I think and it made sense. I appreciate the call, Ray. But you don't want to be in the situation the Dallas Cowboys are in with Dak Prescott. That's not a good situation to continue to have to franchise a quarterback every year and have that eating into your cap. And, you know, maybe Ray called and maybe Ray was, you know, of the opinion the Eagles gave that contract too early. But very few people were criticizing that contract when the Eagles gave it to Carson Wentz. I forget the cut I played the other night who said it, but it it was so true that after 2018, after 2019, nobody was criticizing the Eagles for that contract. Like, after last season, was anybody saying what a horrible move it was for the Eagles to sign Carson Wentz after 2018. I don't I don't remember that kind of criticism. I don't know if you played a cut uh, the night I wasn't in, but Joe Banner was very... No, um, it was... I forget who it was. Maybe we'll look during the break. I played it on uh, Tuesday morning. But, you know, it, nobody was, was, mo- was criticizing the Eagles for that contract when they gave it to Carson Wentz. They just weren't. Um, so, uh, you know, 
when you look at, at at this situation, I think the Eagles did admit they were wrong. They traded the guy, and and you know, I think when you look at last season, yeah, there are holes, but I don't think this team is a complete disaster as many people think it is. I think last year just even more of of a reason why you need reliable quarterback play. The Eagles got reliable quarterback play; they would have been in the playoffs, and. You know, we'd be looking at things a lot differently here. 215-592-9494. But we will continue discussing this. Um, whether the Eagles should consider a quarterback in the first round, absolutely must. They need to. They need to uh, consider that. Um, and, you know, people mock the quarterback factory cut. Uh, but having multiple quarterbacks who can play is not a bad thing. And continuing to take your chances of finding that franchise guy is not a bad idea. And I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts after four games. I'm sorry. And I like him, um, but being sold on him after four games, I think, is nuts. 215-592-9494. When we get back, I do got to um, address some of some more of these WIP award winners. We'll look at the ones from Tuesday. We mentioned uh, Claude Giroux earlier. Uh, all right. I, I guess that one is is okay. I, I, I would have gone Gagne, but so be it. Um, but I want to look at the draft steal and the, the head coach, which I, mean, I, I love the guy who won. Love the man, but shouldn't have won this award. So we'll get to that when we return. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. We usually have a rule at the station. Uh, I mean, I don't know how how strict it is, but just typically on this show, we don't really rip other hosts on the radio station. You know, it's it's kind of a, a, a what is it, Mike? You would you call it a common courtesy that you don't really do that? You don't rip the other hosts on the station? Is that a rule? I don't. I don't know if it's a rule. I think it's a. It's edit. It's it's just etiquette. You know. It's yeah. it's it's etiquette that you don't typically go outside of your show. Like well, you can rip the guys on your show, but going outside of shows, you know, is a little different. Well, um, at one time the Turtel was a host. You've ripped him. Yeah, but that's that's a little different. Do I have I ripped him? But I mean, he's part of the, the social media habits. Well, that's 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 kind of fair game. Everybody's open to social yeah, media. True. All right, then stuff. yeah, I guess that's true. yeah. I guess you've you've uh, upheld that uh, that that custom. But I try not to rip other hosts for their takes. You know, we, yeah, you're yeah, entitled you're to right. your take, and, yeah. and I don't. I usually I do not rip hosts for takes typically, but that will not be the case this morning because. It's, something deeply disturbing is going on, and it, it it hurts me. It really does hurt me because this guy I view as a as a mentor. I mean, uh, you know, we we have a lot of history together um, at this station, so we'll, we'll get to it in the next segment. But uh, stay tuned because I need to I need to rant and rave against one of the hosts at WIP who is, I think, betraying the city, Mister Jolivitz, not not Jolly. Not Jolly. I, I, I mean, well, I guess I've kind of ripped Jolly's Ben Simmons take, but I do that to his face. 
you know, that that's Jolly and I's crossover. <laughs> He's a three-time All-Star now. It's Eagles and Giants today. On the bench. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll get to that later on. Is Ben Ben? You know, ho hum. Another another All-Star game. Benjamin. And uh, I love how Doc, you know, says, you know, uh, yeah, I was calling the coaches about Ben and Tobias. They're like, why are you calling about Ben? Like Ben Ben's in. Like why would Ben not be in? You didn't see that, Mike? No. Oh yeah, pull it up real quick. Let's let's just play it now. Pull up a uh, cut thirty-two. Um, and yeah, they, I mean, asked about uh, Ben Simmons. Do you have it? Have it there? All right, here it is. Yeah, I mean. It's like it's like yeah, Ben Simmons is an all star. Right. Like, there's a question here. You, you thought awesome. you thought you had to lobby for him. Like, of course you don't have to lobby for him. Um, he's awesome. a great player. It's just like such a like great confirmation of like that we were right. Yeah, I mean, not not you know not to toot our own horn, but we're not we're not wrong too much around here. Um, no, not really. Yeah, we were, I mean, we're right on the Wentz stuff. So uh, we'll get to the host that I need to to rip in the next segment for for the. For um, the uh, the disservice he is doing the city of Philadelphia, um, but right now I need to take issue with some of the WIP awards here. I mean, I was hopeful that we had an audience that was going to make the right decisions, and it's just not happening. It's just not happening across the board. Um, there have been mistakes made as far as picking the winners, who these Levi's are being awarded to. Um, and it's not right. And I want to get to the ones from Tuesday because Jason Kelsey gets voted for draft steal uh, with the sixth round pick. I mean, uh, you know what? I won't crush that one. I get it. But Joel Embiid at number three is an unbelievable steal. And I, I heard you know people saying, oh, you can't count Joel Embiid as a steal. He's third in the draft. Look at the two guys that went ahead of him. I mean, look at the circumstances that led you to that point and where Joel Embiid is. Uh, is Jabari Parker still in the NBA? Like, that's a legitimate question. I do not know if he's still in the NBA. Uh, he's on the Kings. But, um, yeah, I mean, some folks are even saying, you know, draft McDermott and then call LeBron and Mello see if they're interested. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I remember uh, the Gov, Ed Rendell, was outraged that the, the Sixers didn't draft Doug, Dougie McDermott and they drafted Joel Embiid. Turns out that was a pretty good pick. Oh um, so I would have given that one to Joel Embiid, but this next one, and this next one hurts me to have to do because I love the man. I mean, I remember working um, Ponzio's Diner, the Charlie Manuel show once a month, whenever it was. It was a great time. Charlie's a great guy, but Charlie getting the best coach slash manager mm. I mean, it it just it's not a long enough tenure um he, Charlie should have been third or fourth on that list a well, uh, third or fourth the the issue isn't the tenure it's a long enough tenure it's what's well, nine years it was enough to become the all-time winningest manager for a franchise that's been around for 130 years it's that's not the issue the issue is he's just been out accomplished yeah and I, I mean, I know Jay Wright um, is is the winner, or should have been the winner. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I as much as I want to deny that as an as an Al as a Temple guy. By the way, the Al's a big win over over USF on a 
Wednesday night. It's an Al shirt, uh, right? It is an Al shirt. My, my uh, Wild Cherry shirt from when I was a season ticket holder uh, <laughs> during my college days. Um, but uh, the Owls get a win, so I guess that's good for them. The organiz- or the, the program is still, uh, unfortunately, trying to dig themselves out of the hole that, that Fran Dunphy dug them. Um, but th- that, that aside, uh, if, uh, Jay Wright deserved it. But uh, another thing I heard consternation over is that people were upset that Andy was above Doug. Andy, the only crime against Andy is he should have been higher. I mean, Andy should have been above Charlie. Let's be honest about this. Well, no. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe so. Andy uh, was here for a decade. He built Charlie's this organization. Here for a too. But Andy built this organization into a winner. Andy would made Charlie this did. organization a winner. And it was not sustainable. With the Eagles, it's been largely sustainable. Charlie got the, those Bo and Ed Wade teams over the hump. He did. He did. Um, well, he turned them into a winner. But uh, I, I love Charlie Mann. Love the man. Uh, but what Andy Reid did in Philadelphia was he made an organization that was a, a joke for 20 years. A joke. A complete joke. Ever since Dick Vermeil left and, you know... Uh, Norman Brayman and Buddy Ryan and all these frauds and failures uh, uh, in the late 80s and 90s. Andy Reid came in and stabilized things. And um, Andy should have been ahead of Doug based on the record, based on, you know, the uh, accomplishments. I know Doug ended up winning the Super Bowl. Andy was not able to get that that done. Um, But Look at Andy's record, man. Look at his record over the years, and look at the fact that he suggested Doug. Does Andy get any kind of any kind of credit whatsoever for for making that recommendation? That Do we would have actually, to take that into account? Well, that would actually come into the, the account of uh, the guest executive advisor role. That wouldn't come out. That's not a head coach category. He wasn't the Eagles coach when he advised when he advised Laurie to hire Peterson. That doesn't count. Okay. Well, I think Andy, you know, maybe should have been higher. Uh, but the other one that I got to get to here, and this one, this was a major, major uh, mistake by the voters, is Pat Gillick winning. This is so bad. Uh, the executive is, is Pat Gillick's fifth. Like, as far <laughs> as I have Pat Gillick fifth out of five. Um, and, you know, Pat Gillick didn't do a bad job. He did a fine job. He basically... Just took the team that Ed Wade built, made a, a couple tinkers. What did he? What, what moves did Gillick make? He traded for Lidge, which was a great move. Yeah, but I mean, he, he traded an all star for an all star. Like it's uh, like some. I don't know. It's not like he stole him, like, right? And what other big moves did did he make to add to that team? Like signing Jamie Moyer, like that. That that's the move that we're given. Yeah, I mean, Wade he, credit he, or, or obviously he had history with Worth, and he brought Worth in. Um, I don't know, but he had a lot of failures too. I mean, he I was like, you know, he rec- he failed to recognize to save the team. He he thought they needed a rebuild, but they were on the verge of like having multiple MVPs break out, almost three of them. Yeah, no, Gillick Gillick should have been fifth. He shouldn't have won that award. That was a, a terrible vote. And the thing is, people are and he signed Adam Eaton too when they already had five starters. It's recency bias. That's all it is. Because you know who should have won it should have been Howie. Well, Howie is the most recent. Well, no, I mean recency bias against Howie in terms of this past season. Oh. Uh, Howie should have won. Howie was the one who built the championship team. Howie built mm-hmm. the Super Bowl team. What is with all the disrespect of the Super Bowl team, by the way? Doug's finishing fourth. 
Howie's fi- did Howie? I'm assuming Howie finished dead last because people hate Howie. But I don't, I, if anything, these Levi's I think will reflect that like Nick Foles beat the Patriots 53 on one. Right. Uh, it's 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 crazy. Howie Roseman should have won executive, and this is the way I would have ranked it for executive. Howie won. Ed Wade, too, because Ed Wade was much more instrumental to that World Series team than Pat Gillick was. Pat Gillick was just a steward. I could have done Pat Gillick's job. You could have done Pat Gillick's job. Ed Wade traded Brad Lynch here. (laughs) Right. Good point, Mike. (laughs) And and it turned out to be a pretty good trade for the Strohs as well. Yeah, Michael Bourne made a pair of All-Star games. But It wasn't nothing. How many years were we yelling at Ed Wade? Go get middle... Go get Turk Wendell. And what did he do? He sat... And he held on to Chase Utley and Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, and Cole Hamels. And without that... Brett Myers, Ryan Madsen. Yeah, the Phillies don't win. So I would have gone Howie, Wade, Banner 3, because Banner was a tremendous executive as well. And then Hinky 4. And Hinky, without Hinky, the Sixers are are still, what, winning 40 games a year? I know people are in love with that era of Sixers basketball, apparently. Uh, you know, how could Sam Hinkie ruin what we had with, with Andre Iguodala and Drew Holiday and, and, and a bunch of and, and all these guys? It's, like, ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, I would have put Gillick fifth. And that just – that was very disappointing from the fan base that they could be so far off on this and, uh, you know, not give um, – not give Howie Roseman the, the Levi – that he deserves. And Howie uh, has been ripped a lot lately. He's been criticized. I'm sure Howie's been upset about a lot. I, I, I think Howie, this probably drove him over the top. Not getting a Levi. Like, he's probably looks at this and is like, really needs to reevaluate things now. When you don't get a Levi, you are. You nah, are really... he, I, he needs to just keep doing his thing. Just keep, like, yeah. You know, build this thing and well, focus I, on that. And I want the listeners' opinions on it, too. Were you one of these people who voted for Pat Gillick? And I like Pat Gillick. He did a fine job, perfectly average job in Philadelphia. But he should have been fifth in this vote. The fact that he won it is absolutely ridiculous. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Dave, I see you. will be first after the break. And we will, um, I don't know about start a feud, but we need to we need to call out a fellow host at WIP who is turning his back on the fan base of Philadelphia. We'll do that next. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. 9494. Still a lot of stuff we got to get to in the four o'clock hour, including the sound from Chris Long's Greenlight podcast. Uh, him, Malcolm Jenkins, discussed a number of issues, including Carson Wentz and everything that went down. Um, very interesting uh, conversation they had. Also, some of the things Jason and Vaughn had to say uh, to John Clark, which um, were illuminating as well. We'll also hear from both uh, relevant managers in this town, hear from Joe Girardi. And we'll hear from Gabe Kapler. Uh, so uh, a lot of stuff to get to in the 4 o'clock hour. In a minute, we will uh, get to the host on WIP. He's turning his back on the fan base right now. Uh, but first, uh, let's go to Dave in Cherry Hill. Good morning, Dave. Hey, good morning, Tom. It's nice to put Carson in the rearview mirror as far as a point of discussion and, and turn to some new subjects. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll transition uh, on, Dave. 
uh, a little bit, but uh, I'm sure we'll still talk plenty about Carson. And I'd like to make a case uh, for uh, Hertz as our quarterback of the future and okay. the present. And uh, but but before I get to that one thing, I think Jay Wright should win should have won that coach of the year hands down. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't necessarily like to admit that, Dave. I'm a Temple guy. I'm, uh, you know, I'm jealous of Villanova more than anything. Well, but you are a very jealous person. I think that's well, true. Well, je- well, I'm jealous. Of, what what other aspects am I jealous in, Dave? <laughs> well, you're kind of spiteful. I'm a little. I mean, I'm spiteful toward your boy Carson, but you yes, know, you are. He, he's been he, he 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 let us all down. He quit on us, Dave. You like to criticize people. You used to criticize Roseman a lot, and now you're on the other side. You you switch back and forth. You're nah, no, that's not right. I I I've always been a Howie guy. I don't know what you're talking about, Dave. Honestly. Well, maybe you were just doing it for discussion. I'll hand you that. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I mean, I I I, I am fair on, based on what I see, Dave, and I'm not just going to stick to his side um, based on a, an opinion I've carved out. No, I'll get to that more in a minute. Well, I'm with you on Harry uh, Roseman, too. Maybe not quite as strong as you, but I think he's underrated. You do? Get, wow. Getting to the main point of uh, uh, keeping Hurts as the quarterback. Uh, I think that he's much better than any of these quarterbacks in the draft, with the exception of the number one, who we'll never see. And uh, he should be given a chance. And we need so many other people. We need D-line, O-line, D-backs. Uh, linebackers, we need everything else. Why waste a, a pick on uh, somebody else that's not going to beat out Hertz? And let me just 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 talk a little bit about Hertz. He was a runner-up Heisman. He was a pick by Roseman, your man, and he uh, he had a year. He was a uh, a great resume from college. Played for Alabama, as you know, and Tex and the Texas part. Oklahoma. But, yeah. but what he did in that first year, he had a year experience as a pro. Twelve games on the bench, four games starting. Mm-hmm. And I think he has proved that he is the real deal. I think when he came in there with, with, uh, with that background, he showed poise. He showed decision-making. He showed accuracy on sh- short passes especially. He was hitting all the, the uh, receivers in stride. And... Uh, he earned that where he's going to be. So you're to- plus, those four games. You're totally convinced he's the guy, Dave. You just you're ready to move forward fully with Jalen Hurts. Well, like I said, he's better than all these other guys. But, and yes, I based am. on what though? Because because of his poise. Actually, that's the main thing. His poise and decision making. He looked like a pro. He looked like a like he'd been around a while. Yeah. No, I got you. No, he looked good, Dave. I like what I saw too. I appreciate the call. But I, we fall in love with our with with our quarterbacks, like we do. I mean, uh, like I, I liked what I saw from Jalen Hurts. But if you truly believe you saw enough for him to be the guy, you're just you're not seeing it clearly. I mean, it's it's crazy. I feel like it's crazy talk. And th- this transitions nicely into our next point because we fall in love with our own players and, and in many ways our own quarterbacks and. You know, with Jalen Hurts, I don't think if you like Jalen Hurts, it's not like you're wrong um, to think he's going to be good. I think he could be good, and time will tell. But with with Carson, and you see this, is people are so resistant to just admit that they were wrong. And I've admitted I was wrong. Um, I thought Carson was the guy. 
as recently as, as five months ago, I thought he was the guy. I was wrong. I will admit that. I thought Carson Wentz was better than he was. Thought he was a better player. Thought he was a better leader. I was wrong. But unfortunately, not everybody is willing to admit that they were wrong. And this, what I'm about to do pains me. Because I have a lot of history with like Reese. I mean, I, I it's how I, I started at WIP. Was I was an intern for Ike, and, Ike at night. I mean, this is way back with Ike and, and Mike's boy, Radio Raheem. I mean, this the, this was really back in the day uh, when, when we, we were doing Ike at night here. Um, were, were you involved? You weren't involved for that at all, right, Mike? Came no, a little I, later. I, Ike was in the afternoons by the time I was. I was a Rob Ellis intern. I was, I'm from the Rob Ellis tree. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm from the Ike tree. So this is maybe a betrayal, a stabbing in the back of sorts, but... Ike needs to be called out because Ike is turning his back on the city right now. I I got off the air Tuesday morning, went home, uh, you know, went through my little morning routine and just just relaxing, uh, very relaxed on my couch so, on what, Tuesday morning. Because you wake up and relax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've you know gotten my gotten my relaxation mode. You know, uh, uh, when I got home. And I'm listening to the morning show, and I was very interested to hear the 7 o'clock interview. Uh, As Tuesday morning, they always have a a host from a different show on, and it was Ike. And I was very interested in the wake of the Carson Wentz trade uh, to know which way Ike would be going here. Because um, Ike has been the leader of the LTBB, the the Let the Bronco Buck what is it? An organization, a group, a cult? Uh, what is uh, the the LTBB? Let the Bronco bust. What would you classify them as, Mike? Uh, an organization, a fan club? You know, when I think of like brainwashed, like the the word cult kind of that's Clicks, the one I associate it? with it more. Yeah, and you know, Carson Wentz traded now. I know Ike Ike bleeds green more than anybody. I mean, Ike has been a part of the Eagles, legitimately a part of the Eagles organization for for 20-plus years. And I, I thought Ike would see the error of his ways and decide to move on, but apparently not. Here was um, the, the back and forth when Angelo asked Ike if he would be disbanding the LTBB. just it's just sad it's it's really sad that i can't see the error of his ways that he can't admit he was wrong that he is not disbanding the ltbb i mean Let it's the bronco sit there you go thank you jody it is a betrayal of every fan in this city it's a betrayal of the eagles organization i mean ike is going to continue the ltbb in Indianapolis now, what is what is he? Uh, what is Ike's new name? Should we start referring to him as Indianapolis Ike? Indy uh, Ike. Indy Ike. I mean that that that's what he is now. He's a Colts guy. Yeah. I'm sure if you if you cut Ike now, he'd be bleeding blue, not green. <laughs> he loves the Bronco. He can't get over his love of the Bronco, 
how this is so upsetting to me. It is so disappointing. I respect like Reese a lot. And for him to do this, to continue with this LTBB nonsense after this guy quit on the organization, quit on the team, he quit on the city, and Ike is not going to turn his back on the Bronco now? It is horrible. It's a horrible look for Ike. Um, horrible look for the whole afternoon show, honestly, to be associated with this. It's, it's terrible. Indianapolis Ike. That's how I will refer to him for now on. Yeah, I mean, just the, the I don't understand though how it'll get stronger and stronger. That you know that he's threatening. How's it going to get stronger and stronger? There's only going to be less people as as the time goes on. I don't know. These I'm telling you, Mike. These these LTBB people, they're sick. They're sick people. They are sick people. They're they sick have people. they have a problem. They have a they have they have issues as far as as what they see here um, with 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 Carson Wentz. They can't get over it. They can't admit they're wrong. Um, and they can't move on. I mean, really, in the end, it's it's as simple as you you just got to be able to move on. You got to be able to admit the error of your ways. And this is <laughs> this is wildly disappointing. And I get a response from Mike. I had tweeted at him that morning. Said very disappointed in Mike Reese's decision uh, not to disband the LTBB. Um, and Mike responded to me, he will never disband the LTBB. It will only grow stronger. All capital letters. Uh, and it's people like me who are the reason he'll never he'll never disband it. Listen, he may not not have quit Carson yet, but it's very clear Carson quit him without a doubt, without a doubt. And um, it's time to move on. And just extremely disappointed, extremely disappointed. In Mike Reese, he ends his tweet to me with an all capital letters: "Let the Bronco buck." It's just terrible. Um, and let uh, the Bronco bust. And for for a mentor of mine uh, to to do this, I'm 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 saddened by it, uh, very much saddened. And uh, we Sad. we will now be referring to Ike Reese as Indianapolis Ike. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. We'll kind of reset what we've been discussing when we get back. Also, we will get to some very interesting so- uh, sound from Chris Long and Malcolm Jenkins on Chris Long's Greenlight podcast, uh, referring to, uh, to some of the things they were discussing with Carson Wentz. Um, so we'll get to that as well as Jason Avant, who had some interesting things to say uh, as to when. Things started to go wrong with Carson. A very interesting tidbit from 2018, which puts things in perspective. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Just looking at the TV here, man. This Tiger Woods thing is just so disappointing. I mean, so sad. I mean, glad he's okay. Like, uh, as far as his life's concerned, clearly, because it could have been a whole lot worse. Um, But, you know, who knows if he's ever going to return to play golf after this. And it was reported there was nothing, you know, uh, about the crash that would lead the, any police or anything to believe he was intoxicated, anything like that. Uh, you know, uh, I guess it's probably fair to assume he's going faster than he should have been going. Uh, but 
man, what a disappointing situation. Uh, you know, I, 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 one of the coolest sporting events I ever watched was that 2019 Masters. Like that last day of the 2019 Masters, I, I literally like teared up uh, when Tiger was like walking up the 18th fairway uh, to the green, and he he is the guy that made me interested in golf. He's one of my favorite athletes of all time, um, and uh, just man, so so upsetting. And you know, you hope at some point he can get back, but serious leg injuries and uh, probably probably doubtful. Uh, but um, you're you're glad he's all right at least from um, a more serious perspective. But uh, just. Very, very sad news yesterday about Tiger. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 to join the show. Some of the things we've been discussing tonight, um, the quarterback situation and whether the Eagles should consider a quarterback at the top of the draft here. And you're you're crazy not to. Absolutely crazy not to. Um, The Eagles need to be exploring every avenue to get their franchise quarterback. And I like Jalen Hurts. Am I sold on Jalen Hurts after four games? No way. And I don't know how you could be. I really don't. And, you know, as much as we mock Howie for the quarterback factory comment, the larger, the the thinking makes sense. That you always want talent at the quarterback position. Um, You don't need to just have one good quarterback. Like, you can have... And should have several guys who can step in and play if necessary. And when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, they envisioned him being a, a, a cost-effective backup who could maybe develop into a starting quarterback. That was the view. They didn't view Jalen Hurts as a starter. They didn't view Jalen Hurts as a guy that was going to come in and and take Carson Wentz's job. They just didn't. And I would not be opposed at all to the the position of you draft a quarterback high, whether you trade up, you stay at six. If you're in love with Fields, you're in love with Zach Wilson, you bring them in, and hey, you let them compete with Jalen Hurts. Because the way it is these days... The, the contracts aren't so prohibitive for a top pick where you need to play him. It's not. It would have been that way with Carson Wentz, not with this situation now. You have two quarterbacks on a rookie deal. You can play the better guy, and you can have the other guy on the bench. Um, so I would absolutely consider that if I was the Eagles. Um, you need to. You cannot just be in a, be in a situation here where – uh, you, you just move forward with Jalen Hurts, and you don't even consider that possibility. Uh, you need to fix that position. You need to find your franchise guy, and if you have an avenue to do it that you don't typically have, you at least need to consider it. So we've been discussing that. Um, also, we were ripping some of the WIP awards. I mean, Gillick winning Executive of the Year. Just uh, a little ridiculous as far as I see it. Um, more of a steward than a guy who put that team together. Uh, so I certainly uh, did not agree with that. Um, and also, uh, Ike Reese not disbanding the LTBB. Very disappointing. Uh, so we had to throw that out there as well. Indianapolis Ike, uh, who is now, he's a Colts guy. I mean, that, that, and very sad to see. Um, but uh, Carson Wentz turned his back on Philadelphia. 
And instead of turning his back on Carson, Ike and the LTBB turned its back on the Eagles. And very disappointing to see to see that uh, out of Ike. Uh, let's go to Kurt in Fort Norris. What's up, Kurt? Yeah, you talk about Ike Reese being Indianapolis Ike. Yep. What are you, San Francisco, uh, Tom? San Francisco. It doesn't have the same. Uh, doesn't have the same ring to it, there, Kurt. Nah, but you constantly talk about Gabe Kapler. Nobody cares about Gabe Kapler around here. Well, I'm he just with the Phillies no more. Kurt, I'm just keeping it real, man. I mean, we criticize Gabe for everything with the with the Phillies, and this this Girardi, he doesn't get criticized at all. This guy, it's like uh, Girardi did a terrible job last year. Nobody wants to talk about it. Well, I mean, Jalen Hurts ain't a franchise quarterback. Number one, four games don't prove that. Agreed. But they committed to him, so they got to give him the chance. Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't have to give him the chance. You know, if, if you think another quarterback's better, you don't have to start Jalen Hurts. They ain't got no choice. Yeah, they, they, they do have a choice. everything up, so then now they have to. How'd Howie screw it up? Carson screwed it up. Well, if, if Carson Wentz was so great and they wanted so much for him, why did they get rid of him? Because he's not good. He's not great. That's the point. Yeah, he's good. Uh, I don't. I disagree, Kurt. Did you watch the Eagles last year? I watch the Eagles every year. I'm 58 years old. I've been an Eagles fan my whole life. You were impressed. You like what you saw from Carson? What's that? You like what you saw from Carson last year? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. But I mean, one bad year, and they're they're going to throw him out the door. But I mean, Uh that's that's done and over with. Yeah. I got you, Kurt. I appreciate it. It wasn't one bad year. And in in a minute, we'll get to Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins doesn't seem to think it was one bad year either, by the way, Uh, which was one of the things I found interesting. Um, And, Mike, you brought up a good point during that last call as far as Gabe versus versus Carson. Yeah, uh, Gabe didn't quit on Philadelphia. Gabe was thrown under the bus and ran over. He didn't quit on Philadelphia. Yeah. What's a catchy name that we could come up with? For our show with our our Gabe affiliation, uh, well, even though we can't really, I mean, Gabe Gilio is Gabe's guy, like, uh, so Joe's got to be leading whatever charge that is. Well, at one up? point, Joe did a thing of like, "Are you a Gabe man? A Gabe man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Gabe. I'm man. a Gabe man. <laughs> Openly Gabe man. Yeah. So, um, absolutely. But yeah, I'm just. We're not. I'm not honestly a huge fan of Gabe Kapler as a manager. I'm really not. I wanted him fired at the end of 2019 too. I thought it was ridiculous. They took two and a half weeks to to decide. Um, I thought that was wrong. And you know, uh, just keeping it real. If if we're going to criticize Gabe for everything uh, that went wrong with the Phillies when he was here, you got to hold Joe to the same standard. And you know, Joe says a lot of Gabe-like things, too, that we'd crush Gabe for. And Joe seems to just, oh, it's, it's just just jovial Joe. The other day, he said his heart hurt for all the relievers that stunk last I, year. I heard that. Like, and it's like if Gabe said this, he would be the topic of conversation for two days nonstop. There'd be a whole bit on it. There'd be, uh, yeah, there'd yeah. He'd be a laughing stuff. Yeah, up and down, up and down the WIP shows. Gabe would be, you know, he's too Enemy soft. Number one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree. It's 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 crazy. And and I am telling you what, I'm getting bad vibes from this Girardi. I don't think he's a very good manager. I'm getting vibes of like he's on his own time of when he's like ready to like be urgent to win. 
I'm thinking he's one of these guys who doesn't think anything's his fault either. I mean, he, he yeah. said, you know, the bullpen and like, okay, well, we'll figure something out. Like, like, yeah, I, I don't make know. Make some the, sort of change. I think he's just kind of here looking at like, you know, I'll do my best and whatever happens, happens. Like, he doesn't seem like he's, like, I don't know, like, didn't feel like Gabe was like trying to like tear down the wall, trying to find like any advantage possible. Yeah, well, I, I don't mean, really get that sense from Girardi. Well, in general, and let's be honest here, like, Baseball managers don't have that big of an effect. Like, some, nah, some of them do. But it, but it's like it's also kind of why Charlie shouldn't have won that award. Like, and I love Charlie. I mm. love the man. But football coaches are more important than than baseball or managers are. College basketball, the uh, major programs, right? Head like, coaches. Jay Wright is recruiting. Like Jay Wright is is bringing in those players. Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, these guys are calling plays. Like, these guys are legitimately having effect on every aspect of the game. Uh, you know, baseball managers are, okay, you make a pitching change here, you set the lineup. I, really, is it is it that? Well, it's, you know, it's I mean, it's it's very similar to being, you know, a game manager in football or, or you know, head coach. No, uh, but, but, if you're, but if you're, like, a play caller like Doug and Andy were, you're having more of an effect on a play-to-play basis, you know what I mean? Okay, I mean, yeah, I guess Charlie wasn't, you know, he wasn't calling signs of the catcher, no. Right, but it's it's why, like, it's why I thought it was insane when people were saying, well, the game to Girardi, there's 10 to 15 wins. Like, (laughs) what's going to be the difference? Like, in baseball, if you have a good roster, you're probably going to be a good manager. Like, did Joe Girardi do a bunch of winning with the Yankees because he was a great manager? Because he had a lot of talent. Like, because he had a lot of talent. You know, he had really good lineups. I thought he was a good manager there, too. Yeah, though. he was a good manager, but he's fine. But you, you're if he didn't have talent, he wouldn't have won. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty... I, I don't think it's that, that, that confusing. Uh, that in baseball, you, you need the talent to win. In any sport, you need talent. But uh, baseball managers, it's just less intensive. Than some of these other sports. Uh, let's go to Matt in Guam. What's up, Matt? Hey, Yo, how you guys doing? What's up, man? Hey, the only difference between uh, Gabe and Joe is like you're not going to see Joe in a bikini wiener. Oh, you know, I mean, who, who, what Gabe does on his own time is his business, Matt. That's true, but he is very entertaining, which is why I love the updates, even if he's not here anymore. Oh, thanks. Well, it's nice to know people are enjoying the uh, check-ins. We appreciate it. No, it's, I love it. And every time yeah. I see a plant in the corner, like I, I think about Gabe. <laughs> there you go. A potted plant in the corner. Well, that's mid- that was a Middleton quote. I know, I know, yeah. but I still think of Gabe when I see potted plants in the court. Coming up in 20 minutes, by the way, is our Gabe show. Oh, that's great. I yeah. love it. I love it. Anyway, like, you know, uh, I love the reporting about the Eagles. Obviously, they're dominant and silly. But, like, I'm kind of sick of hearing about Carson Wentz. Like, Carson Wentz is over. Let's move forward, uh, you know, with, with what the possibility is. And then I'm thinking at this time in Philly sports, Sixers are in first place. And... Claude Giroux came back from having COVID, having three assists. Now, like, I'm not a professional hockey player, and I've never had COVID. But if I came back from COVID and had three assists, that's legitimate. And as much as Claude Giroux, uh, you know, gets a bad rap for being the longest tenured uh, captain in Flyers history, like, you know, I think he's doing a good job to come back and show up with three assists. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's you know it's it's good. I mean, he's a he's a stat he's a compiler, Claude Giroux. He's he's a stat stuffer. Uh, doesn't win anything. 
Well, who has won something for the Flyers since 1975? I mean, come on. I mean, they had some runs the Eastern Conference Finals in the 2000s. They went to the Stanley Cup in uh, 97 in 2010. But, I mean, in, in the years where Claude Giroux has been the captain of the team, I mean, what has this team done? Nothing. Whole lot enough. And I, I agree that his shift versus the Penguins doesn't make him one of the greatest players of our time. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's hard to win the Stanley Cup and as a hockey fan. Of course, I would say it's the hardest trophy to win. Uh, and, you know, maybe they won't win the Stanley Cup now. Probably not. But in the league, like any team to win the Stanley Cup more so than in, say, the NFL. The NFL is like you kind of know who the contenders are as the season goes on. Especially in the NBA, you know, the contenders are. That's why this year is interesting with the Sixers. They're riding high, you know, with a potential MVP. You know, uh, it's hard to win the Stanley Cup than some of the other, some of the, uh, actually I should say, uh, any team to win the Stanley Cup compared to some of the other leagues. So I'm just happy to see, you know, during the era of COVID in the past year, you know, that players that had COVID, you know, on one of our teams, he came back and showed up. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, Matt, and I, I get it, and I appreciate the call. Yeah, I mean, it, guys are affected by it differently. It is weird how it affects certain guys. I mean, now Cam Newton's saying that affected him last year. Um, you know, it took Seth Curry a while to get back uh, playing at a high level. And, you know, it was good for Claude Giroux. He, he got a couple assists. Um, but I, I have a problem with the hockey assists. Like, I, why does the second guy get an assist? Like, I only feel like one assist should be awarded per goal. Because he was a helper. But it's like, you don't have secondary assists in uh, basketball. Like, what, Well, the, the smart teams look at that. I, I think, think they should be, I, I think they should be um, maybe categorized differently. Well, in basketball, do you know what they're called? No. Hockey assists. Oh, okay, well, there you go. Well, that... that I think it should be a separate category, and it's not like it's a negative. It just well, there's you know, a put a little more context. No, there's a second. Like there are, there's the primary assist, and there's the other assist. But in hockey, it's it's all just no. It is like it actually. Are you sure? They, well, I mean, I guess like if you look at like your standard like box score in a newspaper, I guess they right. won't you know get that detailed. But right. you know, I, I think they do. They in the advanced stats, they separate it. Okay. It's like an offensive rebound, defensive rebound. You know. Okay, I'll then I'll I'll stand corrected if that's the case. So, thank you for ask, ask Al. I could be wrong. I, I love that how this uh, new development of you're like my personal watchdog now, Mike. You really are. You're my personal watchdog. Where you you point out when I get things wrong. Keep me honest. I like it. Did you get something like so egregiously wrong recently? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you're like, you know, uh, Wiggins and Parker. Oh, yeah. you know. Embiid was the story of that game, and he was 0 for 4 yeah, in 21 yeah. minutes. 1 for 4. 1 for oh. 4. It was yeah. 1 for 4. Yeah, okay. I remember I remember because it was, it wounded me the other night. Uh, 215-592-9494. When we get back, we will let you hear some of this Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins sound for the Greenlight Pod. Pretty interesting stuff. So that's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Thursday morning. If you want to get into 15-592-9494. Busy show uh, so far tonight um, as we've been discussing several things with the Eagles. Mainly, should they draft or should they consider drafting a quarterback uh, at the top of the draft six pick or trade up? Absolutely. There is no doubt about it. You need to. I mean, crazy not to. Can't be sold on Jalen Hurts after just four games. Uh, so we've been discussing that. But um, I did want to get to uh, a little bit of, of, you know, what I've been teasing with this Chris Long podcast, Greenlight Pod, is we haven't talked much about Carson Wentz tonight, which is a relief the most, I know. Um, especially Dave and Cherry Hill. Dave, Dave always is urging me to move on from Carson. Um, but... Uh, you know, uh, Carson Wentz is going to be, for better or worse, he's one of the more important figures in the history of this of this city and this franchise, uh, without a doubt. And he, he, the saga of Carson Wentz here is um, a fascinating one. And I saw this the other day uh, on Tuesday morning. Chris Long had tweeted it out uh, that he had Malcolm Jenkins on. Uh, they discussed a number of topics, and this is a good move by Chris Long. He's he's getting this media thing uh, done very quickly, where he has this whole conversation with Malcolm, and he saves the Carson stuff till the very end. Yeah, that's was, a pro move right there. And it was such like junk to listen to before. Then he he knew what he was doing. Well, did you? Did, 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 you know, they're talking about important issues, Mike, social justice, all this stuff. No, no, no. He was talking about like bathroom fights and stuff. like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't think that's. What, I didn't know that's what you're referring to. Yeah. Uh, but I fast forward. Through, I'm like, when is he getting Carson? A very pro move by Chris Long, saving it for the last 15 minutes of a two hour pod. Uh, yeah. Well done. Um, yeah, you know, right after the bathroom fight. <laughs> yeah. Would well, you see that bathroom fight? By the way. No, I had no idea what he was talking about. Oh my about. god, it was hilarious. This uh, um, th- this Oklahoma wide receiver, a big guy, had was like picking a fight with some like little scrawny looking guy, but little did he know the guy had 10 years of MMA experience and he just got his uh-huh. ass kicked. It was really funny video. So, uh, check it out. If you get, if you get the chance, um, I don't know where you can find that. Maybe bathroomfights.com. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, I was, ex- I'm excited to hear, um, when I went to look for this podcast, I saw in the previous episode, he had Johnny football on. Oh, really? Yeah, so at some point this weekend, I want to hear that. That guy's irrelevant. Man, what happened to him? That's kind of what I want to hear. Like, what, he's, what has he yeah. been up to the last three years? Yeah, I think he's just a, I don't know, a loser, Johnny Football. Um, but, uh, you know, once, once was a uh, highly regarded prospect. Um, the Eagles traded out of their pick. Uh, to trade down to get Marcus Smith. Who won the Marcus Smith-Johnny football trade? <laughs> I don't know. The Eagles might have won that trade. Chip versus Joe Banner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, that was brutal. Um, but uh, Chris Long had Malcolm on, and uh, <laughs> Chris Long knew everybody wanted to hear about Carson, so he saved it at the very end. Smart move. Um, but this is the uh, Chris Long's Greenlight Podcast, um, and has Malcolm on, and they're talking about Carson Wentz, and uh, some of the things were pretty interesting. And first... They address Carson in the locker room. And, you know, a lot has been made of Carson Wentz and how he's viewed in the locker room and whether he is a negative force, uh, a cancer, so to speak. Here was uh, Chris Long and Malcolm Jenkins discussing that. If I've had any issue with the Carson conversation, it's been how polarizing it's been. And when you use terms like locker room cancer, 
I mean, dude, we've played with some locker room cancers. The guy's a good right. dude. He's got things to work on. Right. How does it work out in Indy? Uh, I, I think I think I think the change of scenery for him um, is going to be good. Um, you know, he gets to recreate who he, he gets a second chance at it. Yeah. And it was like the same thing for me leaving uh, New Orleans. Obviously, way different circumstances, but just from the ability to recreate who you are as a player, you yeah. get to you get to control what the narrative narrative is around you, based off of like a fresh start. And and that was good for me, and really changed the trajectory of my career. It's just getting into a new space and kind of restarting. And you hear Malcolm Jenkins there, and I thought it was interesting where, you know, they talk about um, Carson and, and the fact that he's not really, you know, a, a bad guy, like like as far as they see it, um, that he wasn't a, a cancer, so to speak. Um, but, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that Malcolm said that he gets a second chance at it. You know, he gets a chance to almost redeem himself like he didn't make the most of the first chance. Um, and I think there's some, obviously some truth to that, where, where things weren't weren't handled great this year, but they, they don't see him as a, a locker room cancer. And I don't think anybody really saw him as, as that. He obviously had major issues with, with some of his teammates, um, but I don't think he was ever this this kind of force that was that was actively ripping apart a locker room like Terrell Owens that is a locker room cancer that is a guy who was trying to rip apart a team I don't think Carson Wentz was that but Malcolm you know kind of saying there that you know he gets a second chance to maybe redeem himself do things a little differently this time and you know you talk about the things that he needs to work on things he needs to overcome uh, here was um, Malcolm Jenkins and uh, Chris Long talking about that aspect of things. So I think for him, you know, he's had to learn a lot of hard lessons, right? So he's had an MVP season, and in that season, he had to watch somebody else take the team through a Super Bowl. Yeah. The very next year, you know, quarterback controversy, he wins that, gets hurt, and that same dude puts life into, you know, your team and go off. Then you right. don't have a great year, but you still make the playoffs. You get – like, all of these things that have happened to him – like whether he can, it, it may be hard to overcome those things in Philly. Right. But now that he's somewhere else, those lessons are going to be things that he, I hope, will learn from and lean on, um, and make him a better player. Especially when it comes to like the locker room stuff, because like you said, he's not a locker room cancer. I, we play with him, and yeah, he, that's not it. Um, you want him to reach out more. Team, yeah, as as at what teams want from their quarterbacks, and like what teams want from their leaders, that's something that I think he's had to grow with. Now there are a few things that that I took from that one uh, that are that are interesting to dive into. Um, you know, I, I know for a while everybody said we were making too much of the Nick Foles thing. I mean, Malcolm basically says it right there: the Nick Foles thing, all that stuff was real. Like the Nick Foles stuff absolutely affected Carson Wentz. We'll get to some of Jason Avant's comments in a minute, which also lend uh, to that. But another thing that that. Mike, and I think you picked up on this as well. We were texting about the other day where something Malcolm kind of casually says in there that, you know, he kind of almost glossed over it like like it's like common knowledge. But we look at 2019, and when we talk about Carson Wentz, so much of it is based on what he did at the end of 2019. Malcolm Jenkins was on the team in 2019. He was on this team for that month run, and he basically said as a fact – 
Carson did not have a very good year in 2019. And I think that gets overlooked a lot is where we look at the last month, but that was not a very good season for Carson Wentz. It wasn't very good, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, but didn't you find it a little telling that Malcolm kind of just said that as fact? That like, yeah, it wasn't wasn't great in 2019. It wasn't a great year for him. Um, Am I making a little yeah. too much of that? No, I, I mean, I, it's it's worth noting. To me, yeah, that, and then if you couple it with, um, he thought it was a quarterback controversy in 18. Yes. Which, we never got that sense. We, like, we were led to believe the second that, you know, Carson's cleared and healthy to, you know, to, to play a full game, he, it was his job. Well, this is the thing about that. I think it was. I think organizationally, it was. I think the organization, mm-hmm. the organization clearly always viewed Carson as their guy. That's why they let Nick go after 2018 and sign Carson long term, is I think they wanted to demonstrate that to him, yeah. that he is their guy. But that's clearly not the way it was viewed in the locker room. Where in the locker room, the false thing was absolutely real. Where they, a lot of those players, really like Nick Foles. And they viewed it, just the fact that, you're right, Mike, the fact that he would use the word controversy is telling because nobody viewed it that way. Like, in the media, the fan base, and I don't think the the higher-ups in the organization, or even Doug. I remember Doug, the day Carson Wentz was cleared to play for that Indianapolis game, uh, Doug was, like, giddy about announcing it. Like, I don't think there was any question from their perspective, but it was interesting that Malcolm would use that word because in the locker room, I'm not sure they ever thought Carson should have just been handed that job back. So, yeah, that was pretty telling um, about that and some of the things he's got to overcome. Here's more as, you know, we think about Carson Wentz and, and obviously his leadership kind of deteriorated, but... Uh, it was interesting hearing these guys talk about his role in 2017 and that he never really had a leadership role. Here was Malcolm and Chris Long on that. And and honestly, when he first got to Philly, he didn't have to be a leader, right? We right. we allowed him to just like stay in your corner and worry about being a rookie quarterback. Right. It was myself, you, Torrey Smith, you know, like all, all these other guys who we had who won championships, who were veteran leaders. Uh, that really allowed Carson kind of to just grow kind of, you know, in a pot, per se. It was an afterthought. Um, His leadership, our Super Bowl year, from the beginning, I never thought about or evaluated, is Carson a leader or not? What I thought about was, damn, this kid's pretty good. And he's a good kid. If anything, he's a little shy. You'd like to see him reach out more and, like, kind of go over to that corner locker room and that sort of thing. Like, I read Albert Breer's article this morning, which I thought was the fairest synopsis yet which you know, read in effect that actually people think he's a good guy. What he needs to do is reach out to every corner of the locker room better. And you know, the coachability, the stubbornness, he ain't the only player, but we expect something more out of a quarterback, right? Yeah. That's the bottom line. He's not the only quarterback who's stubborn, but you know, this has existed as this extreme conversation when he's got things to fix, but I don't remember ever thinking, what an asshole. No, no, you never. Know? And, you know, that is is a big part of this, too. And I think a lot of this goes back to, you know, where Carson Wentz comes from. And we've talked about that before, where his first couple of years, they weren't relying on him as a leader. And uh, I think a lot of teams don't really thrust a young quarterback into a leadership role. 
it takes a while to grow into that. And as they said, you know, they add a lot of guys, whether it be Malcolm, uh, Chris Long, Torrey Smith, Brandon Graham, uh, Jason Kelsey. They had a lot of built-in leadership on that team where they didn't need Carson Wentz to just step in to that kind of role. But as he as he got older, as some of those guys departed, more eyes went to him. And I do think the relatability has always been an issue as well, where maybe he's not a bad guy, and maybe that has been um, overplayed a little bit, certainly. But the relatability to guys... You know, coming from North Dakota, it's a. I've talked about it before. It's a different part of the country that that is just not like you know ninety percent of the country. And when you're dealing with a bunch of different players from different backgrounds, it's difficult to connect. And I think that was certainly um, an issue. And uh, you know, part of this, and and this is where. I feel like Carson is doing himself a disservice, is not uh, addressing this stuff. And we talked about this before. Here's Malcolm Jenkins on um, Carson Wentz needing to to kind of give his side of the story. It's it's one of those situations, man. We you know you we've been there, and especially especially in Philly, it's like you you try to keep things so much in house there because of how the media is. Yeah, that like <laughs> right, like you know yeah. that when when you don't handle something and something maybe like bubbles and spills over, then it's like you give them the right to write the story without, without your narrative in it. Right. And I, I think that's really, we've missed Carson's voice, like in this whole discussion. Yeah. Right. Like the only time he's really said something is like, you know, uh, you know, he makes the normal statements that or comments that somebody will make like, Oh, he's taking responsibility for things. I need to be a better quarterback. I need to do that. Right, right. But we've never really heard him talk candidly about, his experience in that locker room or, you know, what he's going through as a coach. Cause you know, like even us as defensive players, we we'll see what happens in the locker room and on the field, but we don't really know, you know, what his relationships like with the coach. We don't know what the system, you know, what the play, who's calling the plays. Does he have input in that? Does like, he have an he issue with this receiver? Does he have like, right. you know, those, those, like if in a D line room, I have an issue with player X. We pretty much only know that in the D line room, you know, like, so there is a, a case of, and this is what's you know really confusing to me is I'll ask five players on offense and one or two of them might echo the sentiments in an Albert Breer article and three might be like this is all exaggerated. I think everything does. I think everything depends on your relationship to the player. And so mm-hmm. of course, if you anonymously source fifty three teammates or fifty two, probably be a couple mother don't like us for sure. And, you know, you, you hear that, though, and it is why it's so important for Carson to talk. And I'm not even talking about talking to the media, but, you know, listening to Malcolm Jenkins there, it kind of gives you the sense that, that a lot of the locker room didn't even know what was going on. And I know Malcolm wasn't there last year, but this is all stuff that should have been flushed out with teammates and should have been, uh, you know, worked out throughout the course of the season and it sounds like Carson really did kind of isolate himself when you hear him not talking to Doug um you you know you know he has a small group that maybe he's comfortable with because he is shy and and maybe a little awkward personality wise but you need to reach out and you need to reach out to your teammates and it it, it kind of does make you sad to a degree to think maybe this all kind of could have been avoided you know if 
he had reached out a little more, if he had, you know, kind of tried to address this stuff head on rather than than kind of hide from it. And uh, that's kind of what I took um, from that part of it, that Carson isn't really getting out and, and kind of making his side heard here. But here's one more uh, talking about, ultimately, it's going to come down to the production in Indy. So I just think, like, the bottom line is he's got to produce. When he produces, yeah. this stuff becomes less important. And for he sure. gets the confidence where he mm-hmm. is reaching out to dudes. And he is, yeah. I'm rooting for him. I, You know, like, my thing is we all know how tough this city can be. And, um, you know, it's not his fault that Nick Foles is just this guy with this crazy magnetism. I mean, right. he's not the greatest quarterback of all time, but he did do those things where he was, like, really a social dude and would reach out to every corner of the locker room. And I think that's where Carson's got to work on things. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, but but the main thing for Carson, though, we want to see him produce on the field. Yeah. Because like you said, the rest of it, nobody – we don't we don't sign quarterbacks because they're nice guys. Like, yeah. We, we, you sign quarterbacks because you want to win. Right, and and you want to see them, and, and what the the kind of X factor you look for is can they make the other team their other teammates better? Yeah, right. Like so, if if not, you got to be really talented. Like you can you can be less talented if you make everybody else better. And I think Carson is just trying to figure out you know where he fits in that spectrum. And you know, it is all going to come down to the production. And if Carson Wentz plays well, I do think a lot of of this extraneous stuff will go away. Um, but you heard them again, mention Nick Foles there and it it all goes back to Nick Foles. And I know people don't want to hear that, but it's absolutely true. And the personality differences between those two guys made a huge deal in that locker room. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily intentional, but they gravitated to Nick in a way. They just never gravitated to Carson Wentz, even in 2017, when Carson Wentz was playing at the level he's playing at that year, they never gravitated to him in the same way that they did to Nick Foles. And, you know, I've always thought that 2017 hurt Carson. Like, it was hard for him to watch that, obviously. But what happened in 2018 was really devastating him it's always kind of been my thought and Jason Avant who was with the organization coaching that year uh, kind of alluded to this and you know I think it kind of only makes me feel stronger about this really being where Carson went south mentally because 2018 um, if you remember the Eagles six and six they go to Dallas in a mu- an absolute must win game they had to win that game it was basically for the division uh the Eagles losing overtime. That was that was the game, Mike. That I uh, how dare I? I? I went out and I watched that game at a bar. Uh, that's where that whole joke originated from. Glenn was that, very upset. With that's me. I remember that because I remember driving in to work for the pregame and I heard that. I was with them at Shoprite that morning. Was I? Was I with them? It was like a Sunday morning at like eleven o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. I was. Yeah. That's right. Glenn Ray and I were uh, at Shoprite of Williamstown. And Glenn was very uh, upset that I was going to a bar to watch a game. Um, great game, by the way. You know, overtime. That was the game with that uh, fun, with the ridiculous fumble that they said couldn't be recovered. What? What? That was ridiculous. That was one of the worst calls ever. But um, the Eagles lose that game, so they're six and seven. They're going to L.A. the next week to play the Rams on Sunday night, and everybody thinks season's over. Uh, so they end up. 
you know, sitting Carson. Carson was dealing with that back issue for weeks. They take Carson out. They decide that they are going to go with Nick Foles and basically ride out that year. And here's um, Jason Avant. He was on with John Clark uh, on what ended up happening from there and how it affected Carson. This is 2018 is where the mindset of Carson, to me, with the organization changed. Here's why. They were not going to the playoffs. Carson was dealing with the back issue. And he was playing through injury. Carson wanted to play. The organization chose, against Carson's wishes, to play Nick Foles. Nick Foles revives the season. Yeah, and you look at that, and and it makes everything after it makes so much sense. Where, you know, I I imagine Carson would want to continue playing. Um, But they throw in Nick Foles, and, and... it goes with what we were saying for a while. The Eagles never thought they were making the playoffs that year. They never thought they were beating the Rams next week in L.A. The Rams were the best team in the NFC that year, as far as I was concerned. They um, didn't get the one seed, but they did end up going down to New Orleans and beating uh, that little baby Sean Payton uh, in the NFC Championship game. Completely a legitimate victory, by the way. Um, but uh, the Eagles didn't think they were going to the playoffs. They didn't think they had any shot. Nick Foles comes in and salvages that season. And that's what I think really demoralized Carson Wentz, to see Nick Foles do it again. And I think that year he really looked at it, and he he realized Nick Foles had something that he did not have. And that was the ability to, to, to captivate the guys around him and to get them playing at, at, at a higher level. And to get them playing with more emotion, more energy, whatever it was. They say, you know, even Chris Long says it, that that Nick Foles has this incredible magnetism, is how he put it. And you could see it. And um, the fact they won that Rams game, then beat the Texans, and all that stuff, the double-doink game. uh, And I think that really affected Carson Wentz. And I think it affected everything from there, where, you know, I think that's why the Eagles overcommitted after 2018 and signed that contract because Carson was probably feeling um, a little, uh, I guess, insecure at that moment. So to convince him and to make him feel more secure, they went out, they signed him to the massive contract. They, they, they went above and beyond to, to prove to Carson, you are our guy. And we are behind you 100%. Um, but in the end, he never recovered from 2018. And and that's kind of been my theory the, the entire time. And and I feel like Jason Avant uh, kind of corroborated that right there. The 2018 year was really the one. We talk about the Super Bowl a lot um, in regards to the Foles uh, and, and how that affected Carson. But 2018 was really the year. Uh, that that crushed Carson uh, to see Nick Foles do it again and get that team on another improbable run. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. When we get back, Gabe Kapler checking. We're a little behind, so a couple minutes late today with the Gabe checking. But don't worry, Gabe is back with the KNBR crew. Uh, so, uh, we'll see what Gabe had to say. A little tease, Mike. You want a little tease for us here uh, going into the break to keep the listeners around here? Yeah, the guys were praising a particular aspect of Gabe's leadership last year. And uh, Gabe uh, was talking about how he did it. 
Excited. Excited to hear hear from uh, Gabe. So we'll hear from Gabe coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Oh man, no no Foo Fighters or System of a Down today. What's going on here, Mike? Where's Gabe's uh, intro music? Sure we're being quick. Yeah, then, no, no, that's a good point. We we went a little long uh, with the Chris Long and Malcolm Jenkins uh, stuff from the Greenlight Pod, which Chris Long did say all he wants is people to credit his podcast, especially the Philly media, uh, which I guess he views as evil these days. He said, if you're going to use my 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 content. Just credit my podcast. So uh, we credit Chris Long's podcast. Um, so, but now it is time to move on to Gabe. See what Gabe's got going on. Uh, no more music uh, talk today, Mike. Did they get down to the nitty gritty of, of <laughs> baseball and Giants camp in Scottsdale? No, nah, this isn't quite a baseball matter. It's um, uh-huh. the uh, the guys were impressed with. I, I don't remember how well they did with us. Maybe they did, they did well, but the guys were impressed with how well Gabe was a leader through COVID. And kind of set an example of like how to follow the protocols. They thought he did an, an exemplary job on that. Uh, so here's them talking to him on that. Oh, and you may hear uh, they try and get like a an over laughter thing going, but it just there's just not enough there, and it kind of dies out. Okay, I got a sense that the serious manner in which you approached dealing with COVID and wearing a mask. I get a sense that that rubbed off on the team, and I know the organization was very serious about following correct COVID, uh, COVID protocols. The the main reason you guys didn't see the bottom half of my face is because I'm getting too many grays in my beard. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to cover that up. All Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, seriously. No, uh, but but in, in reality, um, we did take that responsibility quite seriously. It looked like managing, coaching, leadership – you're always you're always going to be judged on on one thing and one thing only. It's going to be wins and losses, and um, you know what happens between the lines. Yeah, was a, you know the, Gabe was trying to start a little. You know, I feel like Gabe has has gotten used to the tenor of these conversations, so he's trying to lighten it up a little bit. And the KMBR guys sounded like they were trying to be a little more serious in this interview. They're like, yeah, yeah, Gabe, but you know the answer. Um, and yeah, here. Um, Gabe, you know, I guess part of the reason why he wanted to be safe with COVID was he he saw an advantage in the in the standings. He thought mm. the more because you know what's the saying? Uh, availability is the number one uh, b- ability. By the way, that is the dumbest saying know, so I've stupid. ever heard. Availability is not the best ability. Like I'm available to play for the Sixers, and is it, that Joel beats better than TJ McConnell? Right? Yeah. Is that like a good ability to have? Not really. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So here's Gabe. You know, some of the things that that lead to those wins and losses uh, are like how how you guide players from a from a health and safety perspective for two reasons. One, because it's the right thing to do. Right. We're trying to protect our players and keep them from getting sick and keep our camp or our uh, our clubhouse from getting sick. And on on the other side, there's a real performance advantage to to stay in healthier than than other clubs i mean it is it is a bit of a competition like can we handle this crazy crazy covid situation uh better than the the other clubs uh, around the league so we as a group um no one individual gets all the credit for this did a really nice job of of setting the tone um at at taking it very seriously and at listening to our medical professionals because 
I, I oftentimes will have staff members come up to me and say, well, should we do this or that? Should we bring in a barber? Should we, um, should we push this meeting outside or is it okay to have it with, you know, kind of the doors closed in the big, big room with everybody spread out? And the fact of the matter is I don't know. I don't know what the best answer for these questions are. But I do know that our medical professionals have, have the best read on this. And we do have to de- defer to them if we're going to be good leaders. That's a responsible way to do it. I mean, you know, uh, try to meet outside if you can. And then yeah. Gabe being careful about when when meeting inside as well. Should we bring in a barber? Yeah, I, well, of course you doesn't. I feel like every team has their own barber, right? Isn't that kind of standard operating procedure? Yeah, but to me, like, it's also like it's probably not worth the risk if you're trying to get through the season. Like, just get your haircut in October. Yeah, well, I mean... I, but, it, was a, but it was a two month. That's season. a long. Yeah, well, that's true. But uh, there are some guys that are very meticulous about their hair. They get their hair cut like every week. Uh, I don't. I hate getting my hair cut. I can't stand it. It's one of my least favorite things to do. By the way, really? Yeah, I hate getting my hair cut. I this this is probably going to make me sound like a jerk, but I don't I don't like when the hairdresser tries striking up conversation. Hmm. You know, I'm I'm there to get get the job done and get out and be get in, get out. Yeah. yeah you know, I don't want to go and get in a, get in a long, you know, back and forth about God knows what I, you know, small talk. I don't need that. Just, you know, uh, let me sit there in silence. Just, you need to find a better barber then. Find, yeah, find somebody that gets you. Yeah. I don't want somebody that gets it. I just want somebody that's going to cut the hair and do it well. Yeah. But like find somebody that gets that in you. Yeah, that understand that understands yeah, what I'm. That gets for. that vibe from you, right? Right. Well, there should be a, a, a specific like barbershop where no talking is allowed. Sounds Only like a Larry silence. David idea. It it it, it should be. This, the Larry should should take this idea for curb this season because uh, I I can't imagine Larry's a guy that likes to chat it up at the at the barber. Well, he's probably in and out, and you know. How many? Well, yeah, he doesn't have hair, so that's a good <laughs> point. Um, do we have anything else from Gabe today? No, that's it. Okay. Oh, well, I'm just looking at the schedule here. Um, so Gabe comes back early on in the season, Mike. Uh, you know, April 19th through the 21st. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was going to. I remember he's going to be here for 420. Now I don't know. Now I don't know how many fans are going to be in the stadium at that point. But what would you imagine the reception is for Gabe? I mean, I would hope that the fans show him the kind of love that 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 he deserves. I would hope. I mean, truthfully, he probably earned a golf clap. Not much more. Yeah, but he, I hope he but doesn't get booed. booed. I hope he doesn't get he, booed. I mean, he will. That that would be wrong. Um, I mean, they are wrong, but and there there isn't going to be. I mean, it won't be a full house, so I guess Gabe will be uh, <laughs> at least absolved in that in that sense. Uh, we can't tell John Middleton how many fans he's going to have yet. Do you know that? No, I don't. But it seems like they will have some. So, all right, uh, are we going to have more Gabe tomorrow? Or uh, is, is the game well dried up for the time being? Yeah, I still haven't played any Gabe baseball cuts. Yeah, let's do that tomorrow. Let's get some baseball Gabe going on tomorrow on the show. So that was Gabe Kapler uh, on this latest episode of the Gabe Kapler check-in. Uh, when we get back, we'll kind of recap some of the things we've been discussing. Also, we will predict the winners of Thursday's Levi's. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. So we wrap up uh, the show tonight. Be back on tomorrow. Uh, filling in for Jan Janssen. Uh, if you want to get in, in the final couple minutes of the show, 215-592-9494. In a couple minutes, Mike and I will predict Thursday's winners of the Levi's, even though it's so unpredictable considering how poorly the audience has chosen the winners here. I mean, Wednesday's winners were just all, all terrible. I mean, every single one. We'll we'll recap that in a second. But some of the things we've been discussing tonight, uh, the Eagles with their quarterback situation, should they draft a quarterback or consider drafting one at top of the first round? They absolutely need to. I mean, if they love one of these guys, you not only take them, you move up to take them. Um, and you go into next year with Jalen Hurts and a rookie and you let them compete. Um, whoever wins gets the job at this point. Quarterback contracts for first-round picks, they're not so prohibitive to where you need to play the guy you draft immediately. You don't. And um, the contract between a first-round guy this year and Jalen Hurts isn't even all that much dissimilar. So um, I think it would be a smart route to go. You'd have two quarterbacks you can rely on, two young quarterbacks who you could develop, and you see where it goes from there. So I'm discussing that also. Um, we don't usually start feuds or rip other hosts on the station, but uh, I had to uh, rip Ike for what he did the other day when Ike was on the morning show, asked about the L- the future, the uncertain future of the LTBB. Here's his response. Ike, are you <laughs> disbanding the LTBB organization? No, I am not. Oh. You are not? No, I am not. What are the plans? Hey, oh, yeah. Hey, what, what no, are listen, the... to this, listen to this. Now, check this out. This is just my personality. And the more that people ask me to disband it or request me to disband it, <laughs> it's going to get stronger and stronger and it won't go anywhere. Very disappointing. Just very disappointing for Mike Reese, who was a mentor of mine. Uh, I used to be his intern. And um, Ike, Ike has betrayed the city. He's now Indianapolis Ike is what we are going to call him on the show um, as he is continuing the LTBB. Uh, And you're right, Mike. It is kind of it's a cultish group. It it does kind of strike you more as like a cult than anything else, more than a fan, uh, a fan group. It it is it is a a kind of cult. Yeah, I mean, like we we gave the Bronco a chance to buck and he like, yeah, he was terrible. Yeah, I, I cannot Ike's allegiance to the Bronco is stronger than his allegiance to the city. And that is very disappointing. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, that that's that's the choice he's made. Hmm. You know, Ike, Ike has chosen that he, he wants to he wants to support the Bronco. Um, and the Bronco bucked his way right out of town, right to Indianapolis. So Indianapolis Ike is what we'll call him for now on. Um, and we've also been uh, uh, looking at these... Um, WIP awards, the Levi's. Now, the ones from Wednesday, I just thought every single one was wrong. Pat Gillick won. Pat Gillick did a nice job. He should have been fifth out of the five nominees. Uh, How he should have won, then I would have had Ed Wade second who really built that team. Joe Banner third. Hinky fourth. And Gillick fifth. I mean, and I know people don't like Hinky, but Sam Hinky is the reason the Sixers even have a relevant franchise right now. Um, if, if Sam Hinky wasn't here, we'd still be toiling away with thirty-five to forty wins. The Sixers would be the the what the Chicago Bulls are now is what the Sixers would be, except without a guy like Zach Levine. 
Still have Thaddeus Young as like the best player on the team. He's in Chicago now, right? Yeah, but he's like their seventh best player. Yeah, but I mean, he'd he'd be a key player for the Sixers. He'd still be a Sixer <laughs> okay. if uh, Hickey hadn't come here. So that was uh, one of the ones uh, announced on Wednesday. What were the other ones announced on Wednesday? Because there were I also had problems with some of these as well. Um, best moment uh, went to the Philly special over the Brandon Graham strip sack. Well, and over the Iverson stepover, which yeah. was more popular than either. Yeah, that that one was terrible. That one bothered me. Well, the Nick Foles role player, that was obvious. I mean, of course Nick Foles was going to win that one. Yeah, it's, what, four different times he thrived as a backup? Yeah. Well, 2013, 2017, 2018. Are you counting 2012? Yeah, he didn't thrive. No. no. I think there was another year. No, I think that's it. I guess not. Yeah, I think that's it. All right, I mean, so three time. Yeah. He did enter a uh, playoff game with the with the Chiefs, um, but I don't think he played very well in that. They've lost the game. He entered so. a playoff game? He did. He entered a playoff game, I think only maybe for a couple snaps, and then he went out. Alex Smith. That was with Alex Smith, yeah. Yeah. They played the Steelers on like a Sunday night. Oh, I was thinking it was that Titans game where Mariota caught a touchdown pass like from himself. No, no, this is the one. It was right after. Um, yeah, I remember that it the was Dallas Green Bay game because I was of, out at a bar watching that game. Yeah, it was some kind of storm. Like it yes. got delayed to. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so let's predict the winners for today's Levi's, Mike. Uh, you got best team. This will be announced in the morning show. Two thousand one Sixers. I mean, they're no. not going to win that. 2004 Eagles, 2008 Phillies, 2010 Flyers, 2016 Villanova, 2017 Eagles. I mean, it's going to be 2017 Eagles, right? Yeah, it should be. Uh, why yeah. no, Why is the 2016 Villanova team better? Why is it ranked ahead of the 18 Villanova team? Um, That's a good point. The 18 I, team was dominant. Yeah, the 16 team, I guess it was the more memorable one because the ending, but you're right, that 18 team... Did, did they beat everybody they played by double digits? I remember they crushed Kansas. What was that, the Final Four game? Yeah, it blew them out, yeah. Um, you know, West Virginia gave them a game in the Sweet 16. It got a little dicey there, but they probably still won by like eight. Was that the Javon Carter? Yeah, that team. team. That may have been Javon Carter's final game. I felt like that guy was in, was at West Virginia for like a decade. Too. But he, he was like he was perfect for that trap. Yeah. Because he was so good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I would probably put the 20, because that 2018 team, that was Bridges and... It's all, they're all over the NBA, NBA now. Uh, Brunson, Brunson was a Naismith winner. Yeah. And then uh, Pascal, Spielman's been on, yeah, not great, but, um, you know, DiVincenzo. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and Phil Di- Booth. DiVincenzo was the player of the tournament, right, that year? Uh, well, he had the the great final game. Right. I Who think... did they play, Michigan in that final game? Yeah, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, I felt like Bridges was probably their best player through the tournament. Okay. Um, and then uh, best blunder is uh, at 11 o'clock. That'll be announced on the midday show. Donovan McNabb, interception of Rondé Barber. I hope that doesn't win. Not really a blunder. Donovan McNabb, throw up in the Super Bowl. I agree that that one wasn't a blunder. It's just yeah. a bad play. Um, Deshaun dropping the ball at the goal line against the Cowboys. That's kind of inconsequential. That wasn't really you know, yeah. that big of a play. Because when I was doing this, st- I, like, I went back and rewatched. I forgot that Dallas didn't get the ball. The Eagles just got the ball to one. Yeah, and then Westbrook scored, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey dropping the playoffs. And then Mike's favorite, the confetti. The Sixers-Marco Bellinelli confetti game. It's the only one I witnessed, you know, 
right in front of me. I, that's the one. I, honestly, that's the funniest one. I, with Blunder, Blunder, I feel like you're looking for humor. So that's the one I go with. But we all know it's going to be Donovan. It's it's, it's going to be Donovan. Yeah, yeah but the, it's be the Donovan confetti one too is like the, all the angles to like the, the, you know they were cutting the series deficit to two to one. That's not really confetti worthy in itself. Right, um, right. The, the, Nick Stauskas as a spectator stormed the court. Nick Stauskas. Oh. Uh, so, that's a name. Yeah, I that whole scene. Care to never hear again. And then the Sixers, you know, taking all their momentum away from themselves. Uh, your boy JJ with his that pass to nobody. What a game! What, yeah, what an overtime. And that's the thing. I can't even comment on a lot of these things because I didn't see most of that game. I saw the very end. I saw like the last possession. So I could tell. I remember. Um, it was Cinco de Mayo. We were supposed yeah. to go out just after the game, just to kind of hang out and. I think we like walked home in silence, and then everyone just went home, and no one like that was the end of the night. Really, it was like wow, the, you it, were that shattered. It was that crushing of a game? Yeah, really. <laughs> well, they were down three nothing to a series they were favored yeah. in. Yeah, I mean, I was I was disappointed, but I was at a wedding. I you know I had a decent time that night. I didn't let it ruin my night. Right. Um, so, and then the last one to be announced on the afternoon show: uh, best Phillies player, Cole Hamels, Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley. Now we talked about this before. I don't think he was the best player for their career, so to speak. I think Ryan Howard was the most valuable. I think all around Jimmy was the best player. But best Philly, I think, was Chase because of what he represented and what he meant to that team from a emotional and effort standpoint. I, I think Chase Utley, and I think Chase will win it, just where he landed on the GOAT list kind of tells it. Right, yeah. He, he was five? Yeah. Rollins he, was 15? Right. Which that is ridiculous, but it was. Um, I, I would, uh, I, I would, I would say Chase wins that one. I agree. I, I would vote for Rollins, but I think Chase wins. Yeah, and then we'll uh, look at the and Friday, man. Friday, what a what a loaded day of of, of categories. Uh, which we'll we'll dive into that tomorrow. We got best athlete on the morning show. That's the that's the best picture award, right? Best athlete. No, that was best flyer. <laughs> um, best Eagles player midday and then best game um, and best caller which will go to Levi on the afternoon show tomorrow so uh, we'll do we'll, we'll get into that uh, tomorrow and predict Friday's Levi's very suspenseful ending yeah and see uh, which ones they 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 botch on Thursday oh, the audience I just hope they do a better job um, because they, they have not done a good job selecting the winner so far uh, so that'll do it for the show tonight be back tomorrow next up we'll talk to Al for the overlap show
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.